Good afternoon. Welcome to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you are making us a part of your day as we are streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. And on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter as well. Glad to have you here with us. So much to get to on the show. Chris Hummer, 247 Sports, will join us on the program. We'll also uh, hear from... Mike Bratton, SEC Mike, uh, and host of That SEC Podcast. Rennie Curran, former UGA All-American, will join us on the program there at linebacker. Dane Young, UGASports.com. Those two gentlemen talking about the national championship game. And uh, momentarily, we should be uh, joined by Tavares King, former Georgia and NFL wide receiver, uh, to try to talk uh, Georgia football with us. But, BJ, have you back with us here for the first time in 2022. Your thoughts on Monday night's game? here now just count it down what coming up on five days to go yeah i'm excited i mean i'm excited i think you're talking about the two best teams in the country clearly but by, by, by a wide margin uh and the semifinals validated that right i mean i know folks may say well look at the sec championship game that proved that that that, that alabama is considerably better than georgia well that day yes but understand that we're talking about a one-game sample size, to use that as the kind of totality of evaluation between these two. I think Monday night's going to be close. I really do. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game, and I think both teams should enter confident. Uh, Alabama was kind of in a no-win situation in some respects, guys, I thought, in the Cotton Bowl, where Cincinnati, a really good team, but even if you won as you did relatively comfortably, you were still going to have people, Kevin, say, oh, well, you didn't play great, it's Cincinnati. And had you won by three or four points, you know, the the criticism would have been off the charts. Georgia absolutely dominated and overwhelmed Michigan. Michigan was never in that game. Some late chunk yardage to make it look respectable. But I think, Ben, these are clearly the two best teams in the country. I think both sides believe. I think both sides feel like they are the team to beat. And the, the matchup of Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense yet again the GOAT versus his protege. The storylines are all over the place, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, BJ. Something that we talked about yesterday, me and Kevin, was the simple fact that when you start talking about the significance of Alabama, think about how many teams have, have you know, had to do what they had to do, you know, to, to go through Alabama. But I, I I know it's going to be a really, really good game. What ha- what happened previously really has nothing to do with what's going on Monday night. Same team, but total different scenario. And we have uh, Tavares King joining us here on 3 and Out, former Georgia wide receiver, stepping in here with us. Tavares, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. Hey, we're doing fantastic. Obviously, this is a, a Georgia team who is playing for the national championship. A lot of talk about their quarterback and those wide receivers. Uh, you had five catches, 142 yards in that 2012 SEC championship game. Going into a game Monday night, where the focus is on Stetson Bennett and that offense. What do you see? Who needs to step up in that receiving core for, for Georgia to kind of help that offense uh, go to another level? Man, I think it needs to be everybody. Um, the com- uh, Step up by committee out wide. Um, Jermaine Burton, Kyrus Jackson, all those guys. Um, and not just those guys. The tight ends, obviously, they've been playing well all year long. Um, Brock and, and, and Big O. They've been they've been playing extremely well. So continuing to to utilize them down the middle of the field um, <clears throat> will be integral to to success, as well as the backside of the backfield. Um, I think those are big keys to 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 the success of this team, and 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 also helping Stetson Bennett in that aspect. 
And Tavares, talk about the dynamic nature and, and the balance this passing game can have. When you talk about the receivers, like you mentioned, the tight ends, James Cook obviously is a receiver coming out of the backfield. How important is it going to be for, for, for Georgia Stetson Bennett to keep Alabama off balance with, with the passing game? Well, I think it's going to be huge. Obviously, you know, you're going to have to run the ball. I think I think in this league, you got to – or in the football in general, but in this in our league especially, you got to establish the run. you got to get those get the run going first, and um, that passing game will open up. Obviously, you have two offenses that, that have dynamic pass catchers, guys that are very explosive, so you will see a lot of explosive plays. But I think I think in this game, we'll see a little bit more – a little bit more from Georgia running the ball to, to limit that um, explosiveness from that Alabama, um, you know, offense to kind of keep them on the sideline and, and methodically move the ball down the field to control that clock a little bit. Tavares, you had a you know a big game against Alabama, you know, an SEC championship game not too many not too many moons ago. A lot of times you go into the game, Tavares, everybody knows that you want to have a certain game plan. But just like a great shooter, if you got the high hand that day, they're gonna keep on coming to you. Do you see that kind of happen too? If a, if a burden or a Karen Jackson, they just win and they match up on the outside, how easy to just just abandon the game plan and just go with the guy who's uh, obviously making plays? You know, one of the things that I love about about Coach Munkin is that he finds he finds unique unique ways to get his guys the ball. He finds unique ways to get each playmaker involved and 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 unique ways to to use their abilities. Um, you saw last game, you know, getting Kiaris the ball quick. I mean, it's a it's a, he's a punt return type dude. Those are the type of guys you want to get the ball in their hands quick. Um, you saw last game him 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 throwing it to Big O over the middle. Um, using him with a mix, with mismatches, those are things you're gonna you want to do. So I think it's I think a big part of that has to do with Coach Munkin, Coach Todd Munkin, and and the way he's able to scheme up guys. Um, and you'll see it. You'll see guys running wide open, and and um, and he does a phenomenal job with that. When you're playing a team like Alabama, what's what's the mindset got to be? Uh, I know Georgia's been so close, but uh, certainly Monday night's uh, the national championship game, but Georgia's been there uh, on the edge literally several times. Uh, what's the mindset got to be if you're going to knock off Alabama? Well, I, I, guys, I, I think at this point, I think it just has to, it has to be finished. Um, we've been in so many of these battles with these guys that I think at this point it, uh, the mindset is finished. Um and even so, that needs to be the mindset. Again, speaking to the point of just playing an explosive um, offense with, with Bryce Young and, and Jamison Williams, two of, two, of, two of college football's best. Um, so, I mean, even, even with that, just playing fast one and then finishing. Um, even, if you, even if you jump out to a lead like we did in the SEC championship, you got to keep your foot on the gas. So I think that's the key to this game, finishing, obviously, um, that front seven getting to Bryce Young is huge, but 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 you got to finish. Does what happened a month ago in the SEC championship game play a factor in in Monday night at all? Whether it's psychologically, whether it's uh, learning things from film, th- does it matter? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Anytime you can you can play an opponent. Um, and then have a quick turnaround. I mean, it happens all the time in the league. You play a team, and and you know exactly what you're going to get um, um, from the from that from that game. So so you you're going to know what you're going to get from from a man. Obviously, there'll be some things schematically that are different. Um, but but 
I, I think I think Georgia's game plan stays the same. I think that they know the recipe, and and, and that's getting Bryce Young on the ground, that front seven attacking him, and, and obviously putting hands on, J- on Jamison Williams out wide and disrupting disrupting his timing because we all know that that kid, that kid's like a like an airplane just just waiting to take off. Tavares, if you know, I don't I don't like to use the word upset. I mean, Georgia was the number one team all year. They only lost to Alabama. Most teams on Alabama's schedule gonna 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 lose to them. But the Georgia, you know, they do the unthinkable, man. They take they take down the the best program right now going to college football. What is it gonna mean to you? Being a former Georgia boy, I know you have to deal with the good and the bad going to Georgia. What is it gonna mean to you watching the boys finally be the last team standing? Oh man, that'll be huge. Uh it'd be huge for me, obviously. Um just just with that being my alma mater, um place I love, a, a place that, that 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 molded me. Obviously it'd just be huge for, for the program, this state. It's been since nineteen eighty since we've had one, so so to finally bring one home it'd be it'd be amazing, man. Tavares King, former Georgia wide receiver, our guest here on Three and Out. Tavares, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right, appreciate you guys. Appreciate it. Tavares King joining us here on Three and Out as uh, again uh, BJ uh, a, a program that's looking to get over here in the national championship for the first time since uh, 1980 and uh, Tavares part of that 2012 game uh, that uh, a lot of Georgia fans uh, remember there in the champion SEC championship game against uh, Alabama. But how big of a, a block? I don't, I don't know if it's, how big of a, a hurdle is that to get past Alabama because you literally talk about that game uh, fingertip. You talk about the national championship game. It was one play, one play, uh, and you were right there. And it followed up a sack, which many people thought took Alabama uh, way out of a, a spot to get anything happen. How much is that mental hurdle uh, to get over there for Georgia? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you know, Ben, you obviously have, have, have been in these moments. To me, like Tavares said, it just takes one play. Sometimes you just got to get it done. And, and, Kevin, going back to the national title game, I mean – Everybody in the world thought Georgia had won the national championship, but there's that one play. You go back to the Jalen Hurts comeback. You're down 13 points in the fourth quarter uh, in the SEC championship a couple of years ago. Maybe if you make one more play defensively, you get the win there. And, 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 and that's not in the national championship, but I think that's what you're looking for. We know Georgia can play with Alabama. We know Georgia can take Alabama's best. We know they can match them athletically, physically, coaching, whatever you got. Georgia can match Alabama, but Ben, can they make that one play? And you've done it. You've made a game-winning, iconic play. How do you can you can you plan for it? I mean, how do you make it happen? I don't know if you I don't know if you plan for it. You definitely prepare for every situation, uh, BJ. But I think what makes I think when Tavares said it because he's 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 one of those guys that man I, I've been on the field with him and like it's like you're right there. But the thing about Alabama is, can you outdo them at what they do? That's the hard. That's why it's so hard to beat Alabama. It's not so much Georgia. We always talk about the talent threshold. Check. Stetson Bennett got a better QBR. Now, I'm not saying he's better than Bryce. Calm down, people. But a better QBR than Bryce Young, BJ, and Kevin. This when the rubber meets the road. It's this. One team expects to get it done. Another team is preparing to get it done. Alabama expects to get it done. Kevin, something you said on Monday. Bryce Young don't want to be the first Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama at quarterback to lose to Natty because it takes away. You want. 
Mark Ingram won the natty. Derek, you know, Derrick Henry won the natty. Devonta Smith won the natty. And I think Georgia and Alabama, they always chasing something different. Al- Georgia chasing to get that monkey off their back. I mean, we want to say, all right, Alabama said, man, we want to keep that legacy going. Because if you come into Alabama, you come through those doors, you're thinking, man, oh, hey, you, what recruiting class you going to be? Hey, Bryce, you going to be the one finally winning uh, win a Heisman at quarterback? Check. And I think that with this Georgia team, Georgia's been out to a lead, I think, every time they played them, lost the game. So you got, to me, it's a about the second half. Every time Cesar Bennett has played Alabama twice, and both times he's thrown two picks in the second half. He makes better adjustments in the second half. Defense, the defense actually be who we've seen them be all year. BJ, I don't know if that means it's going to make you beat Alabama, because sometimes I had to learn that sometimes your best ain't good enough, but if you don't give that on Sunday night, you're going to give yourself a shot. I think it's going to be a good one, though. Well, Kevin, I do think it's about moments. I, I don't necessarily, and, and you guys know I'm a box score guy. I love the stats, but I don't think this is necessarily about how many total passing yards you have or what's your third down conversion rate or then even the turnovers. And you mentioned uh, Alabama's last two wins over Georgia. The last five teams to beat Georgia have recorded multiple interceptions. So that's a stat to watch. But I think it's what do you do situationally when you're in the red zone, touchdowns or field goals? First five minutes of the second half, last five minutes of the first half. What are you doing with the momentum? Obviously, late in games. I'm looking to see how Georgia responds when the pressure's on, when the spotlight's on Monday night. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. So much more to talk about with the the national championship game. And when we return, Chris Hummer, 247 Sports. We'll get his thoughts on Monday night. Also, uh, handles national recruiting there uh, for 247 Sports. The transfer portal is slammed full of uh, players. And we've seen big-time quarterbacks jumping all over the place here in college football. Chris Hummer will join us when we return here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Thursday. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, Ben Troop, National Championship game coming up on Monday night between Georgia and Alabama. A lot of talent in that football game and two teams that really clean up all year long in the recruiting game. Chris Hummer, 247 Sports, joins us here on three and out. To Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, and again, should be no surprise to uh, to us following college football that these two teams, who have what been the best recruiting teams consistently in college football the last three or four years, are, are meeting again on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, there's there's talented as anybody in the country. Absolutely, um, I think Georgia and Alabama have combined to have every number one class since 2011 except for one year i believe with ohio state i could have this a little wrong but those two teams have dominated they're number one and two in the 24 7 sports teams from talent composite there are draft picks all over the field i'd say conservatively they're going to be 40 future nfl draft picks playing in this game when you talk about the underclassmen as well so absolutely loaded um loaded game even with a couple injuries on alabama's side of things Chris, how much of what we saw in the SEC championship game a month ago carries over or or factors into Monday night? Uh, I think a lot of it. I I would ima- I don't think either one of these teams is going to have necessarily the same game plan the game plan they had before. But Alabama exposed Georgia's secondary in a way we haven't seen this season. I do wonder how much that's going to hold up without John Mechie for Alabama. That's a piece that's missing, but. 
Georgia's secondary, as good as that front seven is, it does have some concerns, and Alabama exposed in a way we haven't seen. I don't know if Alabama's offensive line is going to hold up the way it, it did against Georgia the first time around. Um, I would like to see that happen a little more consistently for Alabama. The offensive line hasn't played that way all year. That's a spot to watch. But I, I, I do think Alabama can test Georgia in a way we haven't seen all season outside the SEC championship game. And I'll be interested to see what kind of adjustments Georgia makes. Chris, when you think about a guy like Bryce Young, obviously he made some plays with his feet in the first game, even when sometimes Georgia's offensive line, I mean, uh, Alabama's offensive line didn't pick up that uh, that front seven. How big of an X factor do you think he's going to have to be on Monday night? And what makes him so poised to be as young as he is? No no pun intended. I'm sorry, who did you say? Bry- Bryce Young. Oh, Bryce Young, yeah. Um, I'm sorry about that. He... Um... He even if you talk to people who knew Bryce in high school and he played for Matter Day, which is arguably the top high school program in the country. Um, they play in the Trinity League, which is inarguably the best district in the country in terms of high school football. And he's always just been unbelievably poised. I think that goes as a credit to the way his parents have raised him. Um, he is just calm. If you've ever met Bryce Young, you come blown away by just how how he handles questions, how mature he is for his age and i just think he's got like a steely calmness in the pocket most people don't have he is so good out of structure so when the rush is coming at him he handles the rush and the blitz better than almost anyone um he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes with the football which is critical against george's defense you can't turn the ball over and he is just the perfect quarterback to go up against a defense like that and i I think the quarterback position is a huge advantage for alabama in this game Chris Hummer, 247 Sports, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, uh, and Chris, uh, away from that, the other big story in college football is obviously guys moving. Uh, And uh, we talked about it here on this show yesterday, just the number of programs that had quarterbacks starting at major programs that decided to jump in the transfer portal. Uh, January 5th, over 1,500 players in the transfer portal. Uh, is this the new trend? Uh, is just just look for the next best opportunity uh, as it uh, as it comes, even from guys who are having success at their current stops. Yeah, I think we're at least right now we're seeing more than ever kind of the college basketball model, which is a lot of the higher profile G five players end up transferring to look for bigger opportunities. I think a lot of this, at least as of this moment, has to do with schools having to get back down to eighty five scholarships. The NCAA had a one-year waiver this year that permitted schools to go over 85 because of super seniors. They're not carrying that through to next year. So schools are having to shed a lot of bodies. And it's especially prevalent right now because there are so many extra players having their extra year of eligibility. COVID seniors weren't just a factor this year. They're a factor for the next three years as these players cycle through their eligibility. So that's having a lot to do with it. I think the one-year exemption has a ton to do with it. It's just, it's really wild, uh, the amount of players that we're seeing move right now. And I do not anticipate it slowing down until the NCAA or the conferences come up with a solution to maybe stem the tide a little bit. Chris, what's the latest with uh, Caleb Williams, uh, former, or I guess, however you want to describe it, Oklahoma quarterback? Yeah, so Caleb only entered the portal yesterday. His family's on vacation right now, so I don't really know how much... Uh, talking to schools they're doing at this moment um oklahoma would certainly love him back i don't expect that to happen i i it's going to be really interesting i i think i've heard a lot of schools mentioned for caleb um i don't know if i've heard any 
that make a ton of sense. Caleb's the type of person that schools will move their entire quarterback around, quarterback room around for. Um, I will say this: I've heard from multiple people that NFL development is his priority. They, the family wants to go to the league. They're worried about a long-term money-making opportunity as opposed to a short-term deal with NIL. So watch out for that. They want either somebody with a proven track record of putting quarterbacks in the league or a former NFL coordinator, play caller, or what have it, that could kind of develop them. So I'd watch out for those schools. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of schools that could factor in the mix, but I haven't heard anything concrete, and I don't want to speculate. A guy like Caleb Williams going to have his pick of the litter because of, you know, the type of player he is and the position that he plays. But with so many guys in the transfer portal, how many guys really, really never going to come out of there? A lot. Um, I did a story, to, like last year, looking at the data from the 2019-2020 portal cycle, and I believe only 38% of FBS scholarship players ended up staying on the FBS level, so that's 62% of scholarship players who enter the portal that don't end up finding homes in the FBS. That's just a ton of guys, um, and the reality is there's not enough spots to go around for the amount of people who are in the portal right now, so... Um, I had a player personnel director put it this way. If you don't have a proven track record and we didn't know you before, we're not going to take you. And I think a lot of kids are finding that out as they enter the portal. Chris Humber, 247 Sports, joining us here on uh, 3 and Out. And, uh, Chris, obviously uh, some folks who have already transferred, Jameer Gibbs, former Georgia Tech running back, goes to Alabama. Alabama's still playing, so he can practice uh, there as well. And, uh, of course, obviously they said, hey, he's given the defense fits, his freak athlete. How do you see guys like him making impact on a roster that's already loaded? And I know they got Eli Ricks going to Alabama as well. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Alabama's roster going into next year, they are going to be the consensus number one team in the country, and I I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Alabama's in the national title game this year, and I think they're going to be considerably better next season. They're going to be better at quarterback with Bryce Young having another season starting under his belt. They're going to be better at running back with Jameer Gibbs coming to that room. They're going to be better at wide receiver with John Mechie coming back and some of those younger guys developing, um, and they have nothing but five and former four-star recruits on their roster. They're going to be better on the offensive line. They're going to be better at defensive line where they're going to get healthier. They're going to be better at linebacker, especially with Will Anderson coming back, Dallas Turner playing opposite of him. They should be better in the secondary with Eli Ricks entering the fold, who is better than any cornerback in that room right now. So that Alabama team is going to be nasty next year, and I think they're the heavy title favorites looking ahead to 2022. You look at programs, uh, finally here, Chris, that have coaching changes or have transitions of some sorts, uh, you're going to see a lot of activity in the transfer portal. But even for a program like Alabama, when you look at, you know, Henry Toa Toa, when you look at uh, Jamison Williams, when you look at, obviously, the guys coming in next season, you're seeing activity as well. Is there sort of a status quo for programs like Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia? Is it three, four guys a year, or is it kind of a – uh, season-by-season evaluation with the transfer portal? Yeah, I think you're going to see programs like that pick and choose. Um, cherry pick, I guess, is a really good way to put it. They can pretty much take whoever they want out of the portal. That's the benefit of being out of Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State. You're going to get whoever you go after. And it's really I think it, I think it widens the gap of college football contention a little bit when programs that recruit at that level – can fill holes the way we saw Alabama do this offseason with Jamison Williams at wide receiver and Henry Toto at linebacker. I think it makes it I think it makes the gap in college football feel all the more greater. 
because those schools can fill whatever needs they have via the transfer portal if they choose to. We've seen we've seen some elite programs like Clemson be a little more stubborn with that. But if you're adapting like you've seen Nick Saban do, like you've seen Ryan Day do, like you've seen Carby Smart do aggressively, you're only going to help yourself in your roster. Chris Hummer, 247 Sports. Our guest, uh, Ben, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was just gonna, I was, no, I was just gonna tell Chris. I mean, with that, uh, that thirty-eight percent to sixty-two percent, uh, you know, uh, you know, scenario. What would be your advice to guys that don't play the quarterback position, mind you? What would be your advice to them, saying, you know, should I, should I not, you know, actually put my name into the transfer portal? Yeah, I think everybody needs to do their research and they need to do an honest self-evaluation. If you don't have a lot of tape and you don't have a lot of connections across the country for people who previously recruited you probably shouldn't go in the portal because the chances of you ending up staying on the power five level are very slim unless you were formerly an elite recruit and still have kind of an NFL frame and NFL talent base behind you. Like the chances of you finding a spot or at least finding a spot at a place that you'd like to play are very slim. So I think people just need to do their research and patience isn't, patience isn't going to hurt anybody in this era. Chris Hummer, 247 Sports, our guest here on 3 Out. Chris, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Chris Hummer, 247 Sports, uh, joining us. Big game coming up there on Monday night. And, of course, that transfer portal, uh, guys all over the place. Just really kind of sobering statistics that everybody thinks, hey, there's another place to land, there's another place to land. 62% going to FCS or lower after being in the FBS. So uh, a lot of guys who get in that transfer portal. And BJ uh, gave us a great stat and said, we are the fastest to 1,500 guys in the transfer portal uh, to start the year off than we've ever been. And we didn't even make it five days in uh, to the new year uh, to get to that number. Yeah, and Chris has those uh, those uh, stats on his Twitter. But, yeah, it's uh, amazing. I mean, you hit refresh on social media, and there's three or four, five, six guys, you know, every time you hit refresh that are entering the transfer portal. And you wish everybody the best. You want everybody to have success and have opportunities. But but those those numbers – uh, Kevin, that, that Chris talked about, Ben, that you asked him about. I mean, those are those are pretty staggering when you think about just the 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 volume of players entering and the percentage of players who are staying on college football's highest level. So do your research. I think that's great perspective from Chris. But you see Alabama, you see Georgia, you see programs make their rosters better. But you also have to understand that I think those schools, both in terms of their recruiting of transfer players and just the over overall utilization and evaluation of what the portal has to offer, they're in they're in unique spots. And you're not going to see many guys go to Alabama, go to Georgia, go to Ohio State. But when they do, these schools are obviously making the most of bringing those players in. I mean, it's, it's a lot to think about when you were, you know, 18 to 24 years old. Everybody think they're bigger than what they are. We start You start looking at these players when they're getting ready to uh, commit. They got – they got 30 schools up there, right? And then, But they're only going to pick one. But then when you get to the school, what type of player were you when you got on campus? BJ, obviously, you know, uh, Jermaine Johnson, it worked for him at Florida State, but he was the best player in the ACC on defense. How many guys are going to be that? So I do think it's a – the perception definitely doesn't match reality. Kevin, something you talk about. Everybody think they're better than what they are. It's It might be – it's 25% you, 75% where you go. You got to make that percentage become more 50-50 once you get on campus. And a lot of these dudes, I guarantee you, don't talk to your family members. They're supposed to tell you what you want to hear. You might want to check out them stats because 1,500 guys, not those guys ain't coming out. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
the SEC championship. And folks forget, Georgia got up early 10-0 in that game. And then you had the Jamison Williams long touchdown catch early in the second quarter. And Christian Gokel here with us as well. And the game kind of changed. But what happened in the SEC championship game? I don't necessarily mean in terms of scheme or in terms of kind of preparation, but psychologically, does that have an impact on Monday night? I, does it, or is that overblown? I know, Ben, you've told me before a number of times, every game you hit the reset button afterwards and you move forward. Is that true even with this game so fresh in the rearview mirror? Yeah, you you hit the reset button. You have to. You have to move past and win a loss. But I think the one thing that's, that happened in the SEC championship game is – Georgia's defense showed that, you know, they can flinch because they didn't flinch all year. There was nobody that made Georgia. And, you know, the thing about Kirby Smart, he don't get enough credit for it. This is why he says the thing he says. He goes, look, I know how good we are, but I don't want to lose to have to get these guys to understand that they can be beat. But when they lose, they understand what I be saying. Like, they, BJ, this Georgia, this Georgia team wasn't tested all year. They really, really weren't. Alabama is a team that, you know, people looking at how Alabama won, right? It was it was a different, like, almost lost to LSU, almost lost to Auburn, lost to Texas A&M. They've lost one game. They've lost one game in two years. And I think that the SEC championship game proved, it proved just how good Alabama can be when the stakes. I, I tell you, it's it's one who you play, and, and, and the other half is what is this game for? What does this game mean? Because the game, the meaning of the game decides the game. Playing the schemes – when Williams caught that touchdown, when he caught that touchdown, you know, you know, that deep end cut, that secondary is looking around like, dude, what happened? And all that happened was the safety come down on the shallow cross, which means, you know, there's nobody in the middle of the field. You can't give Williams that much time. But confidence is what Georgia built all year. Alabama took it away from him. They took it away from him during the game. And I think that that's one thing when it comes to sports, it doesn't matter sport. Football, basketball, doesn't matter. Confidence is the first thing you need. When you step on that field, I need confidence. The one thing is, you know, I had coaches tell me this. Everybody has doubt. Every single person walking this earth has doubt. It's the job of an opposing team to cast that doubt. I'm just pulling it out, pulling it out. And I think because Georgia's, Georgia's one of the best teams in the country, if not the best team in the country, the best teams lose. Just because Georgia lost on that day. But I think the one thing Georgia's going to come into this game knowing now, BJ, ain't, BJ and Christian, is, look, dude, g- going up on Alabama ain't enough. We've done that. You said, BJ, the SEC championship game, up 13 points going into the fourth quarter. They go they go, they go, go away from two or go back to Jalen Hurts. I'm telling you, expect, expectations that, that lead to winning games is what Alabama does. Man, we expect to win. We don't meet – that doesn't mean we can't lose, but we expect to win. I think with Georgia now – Munkin and Lanning and, you know, Jordan Davis and Stetson Bennett, all those guys know, do we got to beat these dudes? Until there's no time on that clock, they can beat us. Why? How do I know that? They beat, they was beating them the entire, the entire SEC champ. I mean, the entire national championship game, what, three, four years ago. They winning the whole game, one play. And that's the difference. The hardest yard in football to get is one. That's the hardest yard to get. I just think that Stetson, because obviously they're going to put more on Stetson than they should. Stetson Bennett goes out. He doesn't turn the football over. He just plays. He, he takes what the defense gives him. He gets off the field. Georgia got good a shot as any to win. When you try to do too much against Alabama, you lose. No cute stuff. No trickery. Line up and play. Right? Just line up and play. So I, I But, BJ, yes, you know, getting back to what you said, the psychology of a thing, of course, 
I mean, of course that stuff matters. Winning individual matchups. Will Anderson is arguably the best player in in this game. You didn't hear from him last time. And Alabama still won. Think about that. Arguably the best player on the field didn't hear from him. So <clears throat> as much as I used to think that, oh, preparation is what it is, I got to win my individual matchups. I got to keep my mind right. And I know you hear this all the time. The score is 0-0. Zero, zero. You got to think like that all game because Alabama with a lead, BJ, is dangerous. Georgia with a lead on Alabama makes Alabama more dangerous because they, the, they got to come back and get so we'll see what happens. This, I think Monday night is going to be totally different because they're not going to come in with the same game plan. But Stetson Bennett, come out the second half. Don't try to do too much. Georgia got, Georgia got a really, really good shot. Well, and and I, I've I've heard this adage ever since I've started, uh, ever since I started following football. Really hard to beat a good team twice in the same season. Even if you're Alabama, even if you're Florida, Florida State, Miami, Nebraska, whoever. When I was growing up, Christian, you're shaking your head. You, I'll, both you guys, Christian, do you not buy that? Is that a is that a football myth? How many times have the Patriots beat the Jets twice in the same season? Like it's well, well, it's such a it's such a lame misnomer. Like college football. But it's just I, I, we've only seen this three times, and yeah, the three times that we've seen it, the team that lost the first time has come back to win it. Most recently, Alabama beating LSU in the national championship. But I, if you're better, and like some teams just are bad matchups for the other team, that's a lot of what I think you saw in the first game was two elite wide receivers and a great quarterback was a bad matchup that Georgia hadn't seen all year. I think the biggest difference going into this game is the lack of John Mechie for Alabama, but still, I don't know who Georgia has on the back end that can match up with Jamison Williams. I mean, Keely Ringo's fine, and he's he's really young, and he's going to be really good. But Darian Kendrick, I know he had the two picks, but he was getting toasted down the sideline by Michigan wide receivers. What's Jamison Williams going to do if they try to leave him on an island? And I'll say this, if there's one position group that Georgia has that's just kind of okay, it's the safeties. And Lewis Seen, he'll come up and smack you in the mouth, but he's not great in coverage. And Christopher Smith, he had the pick six against Clemson, but he's not an NFL draft pick, right? He's not a guy that can run with Jamison Williams. So I, I, I don't put any credit in the, hey, it's really hard to beat the same team twice. If you want to say maybe Georgia wasn't as emotionally invested in that SEC championship as Alabama was just because it's hard to simulate fighting for your life and that's exactly what Alabama was doing in that game. I'll buy that, but just the the adage that man, it's, it's really hard to beat the same team twice. I I don't buy that. Alabama's Alabama, and it, you don't make money betting against Nick Saban, especially using universal stuff like it's just hard to beat the same team twice. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna Alabama is. I mean, that's just the exception to the rule, right? They've seen it all, done it all. This is how it's supposed to be for Georgia. Every team that's won a national championship had to deal with some team or some level of adversity throughout the course of the season uh, to be able to get, o- get over that hump. Everybody, even the, even the team that went had to deal with their own level of controversy. When Alabama lost to Texas and then people thought, oh, see, I told you, they got better. They got better since then. Now, just because Alabama's – I don't know how much better they got after that, though, Ben, because like Auburn held them to nothing until the final minute of that game. Auburn with T.J. Finley starting at quarterback. That was the week before the SEC championship. This is the difference, though. And, Christian, you know this. When I play a game in my conference, I'm going to play them. I see them every year. Auburn plays Alabama every year, takes in them. Georgia plays Alabama either in the SEC championship games or in national championship games. When you don't play a team that much, I mean, and, and until you do it, it's that doubt. I'm telling y'all, it's 
if you are Georgia, the hopes and the dreams of everybody ever rooting for Georgia, play to Georgia, is on, is on those guys. Right, wrong, and different. That's every school. That's every team. You, you, you adopt the good, the bad, the ugly, the right, the wrong, whatever. But that's the motivation you need because know. the thing is, they're staring at you. Alabama's staring at you. I, I go back to all these coaches. Ain't too many coaches in college football got national championship. Jimbo Fisher. Right, he wanted he wanted he wanted obviously at Florida State BJ, but he had to run the gauntlet to do that. You think you think you know you think about a guy like that, but what he had to do, he had to beat Alabama. Coach O, you know he's you know obviously he's not an active coach right now. What he had to he had to beat Alabama. You know Urban Meyer, no longer he might come back. What he had to do, he had to beat Alabama. So it's not like George is doing anything nobody else had to do. Everybody to win it, you either had to beat them to get there or beat them. What you know when you win the national championship. So BJ. Stetson Bennett, I do listen. I've I've been on the Stetson Bennett train because I know football players. And the thing about Stetson Bennett is Stetson Bennett goes, so I got to look the part to be the part because I'm the part now. BJ, I was gonna bring oh. this up. BJ, I was gonna bring this up. You just let Ben like totally debo your Stetson stat in the first segment. What I what I say? I was trying to not address it, yeah, because that's been like the stat of all stats about the passer ratings between Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young that we were yeah. going to build up and tease, and you just, you know, you put it on a tee and took the uh, – well, well, it's, 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 like it's like you it's made like, this beautiful steak, and you had it, like, set up <laughs> for this, like, five-course meal, and Ben just walked by your table, grabbed no, it, no, took no, a no, bite no, out no. of it, and put it I'm, back down. I'm going to tell, tell, tell you what Christian just did. I'm going to tell you what it is. BJ's wearing all white. You got a little small, little stain, and I don't see it. But you know, yeah, I know you're looking at it. Oh, no, right BJ there. knew it was there, too. He just chose not to address it. <laughs> no, listen, listen, I only waited a year and a half for that stat on the radio to say that. I waited a year and a half for it to kind of perfectly align. So, Ben, I tried to skip over it. Christian, well, thanks for bringing it up. We are going to get to it in the final hour. We'll come back with more three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back, three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, and Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot to get to. We'll take three next hour and more as Georgia and Alabama coming up on Monday night in so many ways. Uh, BJ and Ben to uh, to soak that in. I think uh, BJ said what thirteen different ways for somebody to watch the national championship. We come such a long way. Uh, from, hey, it's the one-stop shop for the biggest game of the year. Now there's 13 different ways for somebody to soak it all up. Yeah, on, on ESPN platforms, ESPN channels, when you talk about the app and uh, all the options that are there, you can literally watch Jimbo Fisher break down uh, film during the game. Ben, you shaking your head. You don't like that. You can watch the command center where you have where you have all the former players and analysts talk. You can literally watch it. From like a robot in the sky with no commentators. I mean, there's all it, it, it's incredible. I mean, it's going to be a mega cast to the truest extent, as ESPN is calling it. If you don't watch the if you don't watch the national championship, it's because you don't have technology. Period. Point blank. I mean, they're giving you. I mean, where the hell Jimbo Fisher come from? Out of like, I, I understand everything on this Jimbo. What you want to break it down? Yeah, because why? You don't know you're going to beat Alabama. That's a that's a that's some nonsense. Hey, tell us how to beat Alabama. Pray, pray, pray some more. You know, go back and forth. Have a good kicker. Kick a field goal at the end of the game, BJ. We know you always partial to the kickers, Jimbo Fisher, what? aka saying to my face. Well, Ben, if the criteria is you have to beat Nick Saban in order to offer commentary, how many people are on that list? 
Yeah, well, you know, they ain't letting Urban Meyer know what Nino TV. Like, you, you're, you're not coming on, Urban. That, that, that's going to happen. Who wants to listen to Dabo Sweeney? That would be nobody. Where's Coach O at? What's up, man? Get Coach O on TV. BJ, you wouldn't want to see Coach O. How many LSU references you going to get in one, in one national championship? There you go. Hey, we've got more to come. Take three right around the corner for hour number two. It is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, on your mobile device, ESPN app, our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube page, and catch us streaming live as there. We take three next. Welcome back, three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Hour two, a lot to get to. Mike Bratton, SEC Mike, uh, host of that SEC podcast, will join us coming up here this hour. Also, give away a copy of Ben's book uh, on the show, Uncommon and Unfinished. So, listen for your chance to uh, to win a copy of that here this hour as well. But, fellas, a lot to get to here on the show. Let's take three here on three and out. All right, take one. If you could have either Alabama's offense or Georgia's defense on Monday night, which would you choose? Kind of uh, interesting uh, exercise there. The Alabama offense, the Georgia defense, you can only take one. Which are you taking? It's close, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with Alabama's offense. And, and that feels disrespectful to say, and, and I'm trying to go through the stats here and, and see while I talk. Yeah. Georgia right now is allowing 9.6 points per game. That is number one defensively in the country by a wide margin. And dog fans, you know this, that's with a couple of uh, touchdowns allowed by your offense with corresponding defensive scores as well. So in reality, you're probably around seven or eight points per game in terms of total defensive points allowed. That is the best margin in college football since 2011. So when people say this is a generational defense, it, it, it really is. And a disappointing performance in the SEC championship game doesn't change that. I mean, Georgia is still averaging, uh, allowing, what, 9.6 points per game, and that's after Alabama dropped 41. So think about how dominant this defense has been. NFL players at every level, but I still think when you have the combination of Bryce Young and, 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 and Jamison Williams, that's where you have to lean. And I love Georgia's offensive line. Man, Warren McClendon and Jamari Sawyer were spectacular uh, in the Orange Bowl. They have been all year. Georgia has allowed the fewest sacks of any Power 5 team in the country. But when you talk about offensive lines, Evan Neal might be the best offensive lineman in the country. Uh, some are saying he could, could be in the running bin to be the number one overall pick uh, in the NFL draft by the Jaguars. So you have Young, you have Williams, you have Neal. I mean, you just saw uh, Brian Robinson set a new career high with 200 yards rushing in the Cotton Bowl. So it's close. I feel like I'm disrespecting Georgia's defense. But even without John Mechie, and that makes it closer, I think there are just too many offensive weapons. I'll go Alabama's offense slightly over Georgia's defense. Yeah, I'm going to take Alabama's offense as well, BJ, because Bryce Young touches the ball every play. He has the ability to improvise. You go back to the SEC championship game, 
I mean, I mean, BJ, I know you were talking about James and Williams going into the game, but when you think about how he got the football, you got to have a guy in Bryce Young who is poised, right? Like he's a guy, he he plays according to the competition. And I'm not I am not saying LSU or Auburn or Texas a better competition than Georgia. But he also plays for the moment. When you got a guy that touches the ball every play who understands my my what? Five picks on the year, 40 over 46 touchdowns. That's that's unreal numbers. So for me, it is Alabama's offense because, like you said, BJ, as great as Georgia's defense is, as great as they are, keeping other teams out the end zone. Compared to this team, you, you're dealing with the exception, and I think that Bryce Young is a guy that just makes everybody better. Not having John Mitchell there is gonna hurt. But BJ, we're talking about Alabama here, right? One guy goes down. We learned about John Mitchell last year because Jalen Waddle got hurt. That's how he became. The guy he is, so I do think it's Alabama's offense because Bryce Young is the guy touching the football every play. I don't think it's disrespectful to Georgia's offense to say Alabama's or Georgia's defense to say Alabama's offense, uh, not in the era of football in which we're playing. All right, we've had the college football playoffs since 2014. Actually, they played the championship in 2015, January 12, 2015. Here's the winning score in the championship game. The winning score. 42, 45, 35, 26, 44, 42, and 52. You can have great defense. You need to score points. I I mean, that's – and supposedly in these scenarios, you have the two best teams in college football, and the winning score was 42, 45, 35, 26, 44, 42, and 52. You have to score to win uh, in college football. Kevin, 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 Kevin. Great stats. Thank you. I love the stats. Great job. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, I, I got to talk about something, too. BJ, you know, I mean, this is the first time we got you on in 2022. Have you have you finally affected Kevin? Like, is Kevin turning into a statistician? You know, nerd stats? Because Kevin, mean, here's what's amazing is <laughs> earlier today, earlier today, he was dropping some stats, too. I mean, I, this is kind of a celebration of just, just Kevin getting more analytical. I know with baseball, he doesn't like it. But with football, no, I don't like the overuse well, of analytics. No, no, no. No, no, BJ. Something you, something you missed. You know, something you missed the first couple of days. I think Kevin might be coming around on bowl games too, because Kevin might, because Kevin might get a bowl game. So he might be, he might be coming. Like Kevin says, he don't really care about him. I said, Kevin, what if you get to Kevin? You know what it is, bowl. And I said, what would be the bowl site? Kevin said, Vegas. Like he already had a, a bowl <laughs> site in his mind. So stats, double fudge. Uh, he still eats boneless chicken wings. That those aren't real. And uh, obviously, that hard is a. Is a uh, is a holiday movie. Come at Kevin if you want to. That's a Christmas movie. Deal with. I got, it. Listen, I got some boneless chicken wings in the drive-through last night. They're called chicken nuggets. <laughs> no chicken strips. <laughs> All right. I just I, I, look and again. Alabama's offense put up forty last time. Do you believe against Bama's defense, Georgia's offense can put up forty points? I, I guess that's the real question when it comes to it. But in a national championship game, you have got to be able to score points. And get the job done there. Take two. Who must Georgia's best receiver, not a tight end, who must Georgia's best receiver be against Alabama on Monday night? Yeah, I think phrasing it like that, who must be the best receiver and and, and not counting Brock Bowers or uh, even what you've seen out of of, uh, James Cook in the receiving game, Darnell Washington, Kenny McIntosh, I I do think it, it, it has to be Jermaine Burton because he's the guy that has been the guy. And 
you don't have a receiver on Georgia's roster with, with more than 500 yards. Jermaine Burton has 469 yards, but he is averaging almost 20 yards per catch. And you saw that in the Orange Bowl. I think he had a touchdown of about 50 yards in that game. He has big playability. And I think because of that, he's the most proven, explosive, highlight reel receiver. And sometimes you need those moments in games like this. But I will say this. I'm not going to say he has to be because he's working his way back and you really want to limit expectations. You just want him to, you know, do what he can do. And I think he's done that. This will be his fourth game back. But, man, George Pickens has had some humongous postseason games in his career. You go back to his uh, freshman year in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. He had 12 catches for a buck 75 and a touchdown. Georgia win. You go back to last year against Cincinnati. He had seven catches for a buck 35 and a touchdown. Georgia win. And we mentioned he has had some, you know, some production the last couple of games. Had a catch against Tech. Had a catch against Michigan. Had two for 41 against Alabama in the SEC title game. But I think the possibility of, of George Pickens maybe being a factor is very exciting for him. You know, glad to see him, uh, you know, looking like he's getting close to full strength. But if he could be that factor that we've seen him be, even for stretches, Ben, just for maybe a couple of catches that we've seen him be in the postseason throughout his career, wow, that would be a huge boost. But I think, you know, it's, I, I don't think you can put expectations like that on, on Pickens right now. You kind of just got to let it, uh, you, you know, see what plays out. So I will say Burton, because of his big playability, stretch the field, 20 yards per catch, you got to get a couple of those. BJ, I think it is James Cook. I mean, you go back, you go back to, you know, you go back to the game against Michigan. I mean, you see him catching the ball over his shoulder down the sideline. He's, I think he's a guy, BJ, that he kind of like an Alvin Kamara in a sense of, I don't, he's not going to get a lot of touches, right? But makes the most of, you know, the amount of touches that he gets. And that's something that we talked about before the season when you were saying, like, who was going to be an X Factor at the running back position would make James Cook the X Factor is he can run between the tackles. He's good in the screen game, but he can catch. When I think about a running back catching the ball at the backfield, I'm not talking about a flare route. I'm not talking about an angle route. I'm talking about, you know, a Texas route running down the sideline. You know, the LaDainian Thompson type type of routes to where, you know, one-on-one against linebackers. And BJ, it seems as though James Cook is like waving, telling Munkin, hey, I'm a mismatch nightmare too. They're scared to death of Brock. I mean, Darnell Washington looks like he played for, he looked like he played for Georgia basketball, not, not Georgia football. He's so freaking big. Hey, I can go out here and be one-on-one against a linebacker, maybe a slot corner. So for me, I think it is James Cook because you want to, you want a guy that can get, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of yards, you know, with a limited amount of limited amount of touches. For me, that's James Cook. I think those were all uh, great. I think George Pickens for me, not to agree with BJ. Twenty twenty two is off to a rough start here. I'm agreeing with BJ too much uh, already in the uh, in the first show. Uh, but I'd say I think it is George Pickens. Take three. How much should Alabama try to run the football? against Georgia. Obviously, Georgia's been one of the best, if not the best team against the run all year long. 26 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown in the championship game, of course, against uh, Cincinnati. He went bananas uh, on the ground. Uh, 16 carries for 55 yards for him in the championship game. 26 carries, excuse me, 115 touchdown in the championship game for Alabama as a whole. How dedicated to the run game should Georgia or should Alabama be in this title game? And, and Ben, you and I talked a lot about this uh, during the SEC championship game, watching the game, because to me, in theory, right, on paper, and I, I, I obviously understand football games are not played on paper, but on paper, it almost seems like a wasted effort because you're 
you're not going to have that 250-yard, 300-yard rushing game overall like Alabama did as a team against Cincinnati. I think they went for 301 against the Bearcats. You're not doing that against Georgia. I think we saw in Atlanta that the way to beat Georgia is through the air. But then you made a great point about using the running game not necessarily to only be productive, right? You may, I may, see a two-yard run and go, oh, man, you know, why did they opt for that instead of a, you know, a quick slant to Jamison Williams? Well, it puts extra pressure on the defensive lineman, and it allows the offensive line to kind of be the aggressor and attack Jordan Davis and, you know, these big-time defensive linemen, and you can wear those guys down a little bit. And I think that's where the value is. Uh, I will be very surprised if Georgia has a game defensively on Monday night where they give up 150, 200 yards rushing. A lot of that production in Atlanta was on non-designed runs for Bryce Young, where it wasn't a read option. It was you drop back to pass, it breaks down, and you go, oh, there's 15 yards. So it wasn't a designed run. On designed runs, Alabama's production was very modest. But I think, Ben, as you were pointing out to me, the idea is not only to be productive. It's to keep Georgia off balance and to really put extra pressure on those defensive linemen, which are the catalyst for so much of what Georgia does. So I think you have to do it. Uh, to me, I think there's value from a yardage standpoint in being a little unpredictable with it. Sometimes I, I, I don't necessarily love the first and 10, let's run an off tackle. It feels a little, a little predictable. What I like is when it's third and six and you run a draw and everybody's anticipating something to the perimeter. I think that's where you might could have a couple of quick hits against Georgia. But I think the key point you made, Ben, is, and I'm sure you will make, is you have to attack that defensive line. So I think you have to do it, but I would still be very heavily favored in terms of my play calling towards the pass. The reason why the reason why Alabama, uh, Kevin and BJ, going to make a con- you know uh, an effort to make sure they run the football is that's football one on one. And BJ, I mean, there are too many things in life that people are going to exert every amount of energy they got to do it. The thing about football, whatever you're doing, you got to give all you got. Jordan Davis is a big man. That's a lot of weight moving around. Well, I got to make him seem normal. He's not normal on first down. If I'm trying to step back and put, you know, he's not. Third down, if we ran the ball twice, and then and then we talking about third and, and third and manageable. Running the football keeps you on schedule. Football is about balance. We're not gonna beat Georgia one way. We're gonna just sit back here. We're just gonna throw the football with a, with with a man child right there, Jordan Davis, a guy like Nicobe Dean, who you see, and then you know I, I no, you got to make Georgia do the things they don't want to do, and that's not come out the field, not be able to substitute. That favors Alabama. Because, BJ, I showed you a play to where Jordan Davis, we call it dance, and he came out the ball and he stood there. Offensive line went to the left, he slid. I, but he, did, he we need to be able to take away their best player is the guy that's close to the quarterback. That's Jordan Davis. He's their best player. He can disrupt games. How do you make him not disrupt games? Tire him out. Jimmy Johnson, the great Jimmy Johnson that won the Super Bowls at Miami and Dallas Cowboys, he said, listen, man, fatigue will make cowards of us all. And it is the truest thing. When you are tired, you are not the same player. Jordan Davis was tired. And, and guess what? That's the juice. If the juice is tired, everybody else suffers. Because now, I mean, he ain't beating them double teams. Guys got to win one-on-ones. So you run the football to keep you on schedule. And you're right, BJ. You know, it's not going to be an explosive play in football is six yards. That's explosive. So if it's first and 10 and now it's second and four, okay, good. So I think you're doing it just to keep, keep it. And who knows? You didn't have a healthy Brian Robinson, and he gave you 55 yards. 
50, a, a healthy Brian Robinson, BJ, and because the thing is, if they are running the football, now you've added something to the arsenal. So you still got Bryce Young and those weapons on the outside, but you run the football because I got to make Jordan Davis halfway normal out there, man. Because if he's doing what he want to do, it's going to be a long day for the Grimson side. Yeah, I'll take 26 for 115 if I'm Nick Saban. If you went at him and say, hey, you're going to run the ball 115 yards, 26 carries. I think he would take that against that Georgia defense where most people get nothing. Uh, and as Ben said, every four or five yard little burst you can get in the run game softens it up a little bit uh, for the passing game. And I think uh, if you overcorrect on what happened the first time, I think Georgia will be a little mindful of what Bryce Young and company are going to try to do in the pass game. And maybe that opens a few things up uh, in the run game that weren't there uh, in game number one. That's take three. We do it each and every day here at this time. we got so much to get to. We'll get to uh, Mike Bratton of that SEC podcast in about 20 minutes here on the show. But who are the guys to watch on Monday night? And there's a lot of them. We heard uh, earlier in the show, Chris Hummer said, did I, did, tell me if I misheard him. Did he say there'd be potentially by the time it's all said and done, 40 draftable guys in this ball game on Monday night? That's amazing. We'll get to that. When we come back, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben will talk to SEC Mike. Mike Bratton of that SEC podcast. We'll get his thoughts on Monday's national championship game uh, coming up here in just a little bit. But, BJ and been a lot of great players on the field on Monday night. But who are the top five that people should watch? Give me a Madden style rating. Obviously, Madden goes to what, 99. Madden ratings, who's the best five guys out there? And again, feel free because Madden ratings can uh can can be wrong, right? I mean, I saw Darius Slay on Twitter going, come on, Madden, you still got me wrong. But Madden style rating, top five guys. Yeah, and this is tough. I mean, this is tough. I hate this because I felt really good about my list. I felt pretty good about my list. I go in, I talk to Christian. He gives me his list, and I'm going, your list kind of makes more sense than my list, but I don't know what to change on my list to incorporate your list into mine. There are just too many great players. I mean, there are going to be all Americans who are not on here, but I'm going to try to stick with what I initially wrote down, and I feel bad about who I'm leaving off. I do. I'm going to go with Nicobe Dean five. I think he's in that mold of, you know, you've seen the Roquan Smiths. You've seen the, you know, the, the, the Rennie Currens who we'll chat with in just a little bit. These are guys who are not necessarily edge rushing linebackers. They are full field inside linebackers who absolutely control the game. And Ben, I know you've talked about uh, citing Tampa Bay's defense a couple of years ago, how you're now seeing at the next level, middle linebackers control schemes and win games defensively. And I think N'Kobe Dean is just everywhere. And this may sound ironic coming from me, but I think part of what's so impressive about him is that he doesn't have the overwhelming stats, right? Like you go look at some guys, they'll have 120 tackles and 15 tackles for loss. N'Kobe Dean is so efficient. And so is this Georgia machine defensively that you don't, there aren't opportunities to get that many tackles because teams are coming out and they have three plays, and they're punting. So I, I'm going to go with N'Kobe Dean five. For me, I wanted to put him at three, but I'm going to go with Jamison Williams at four. Ben, you know that's my guy. I love Jamison Williams. Uh, he is one of three players this millennium 
in college football with 1,500 receiving yards, 15 touchdowns at 20 yards per catch. Uh, you had Ashley Lee at Hawaii uh, earlier, I think about 15, 20 years ago, and then you had Jamar Chase. So he's right there. And, oh, by the way, he had two kick returns for touchdown uh, in, in, in one game this year against Southern Miss. Jamison Williams, I think for me, is number four. And I, 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 could, I could move him up. I feel bad that he's at four. I have Jordan Davis three. I just think he's such the he, – he, he's Alabama's Mount Cody for Georgia. He's the catalyst for one of the greatest defenses in a generation, and it starts with him. Then you said he brings the juice. Everything starts with what Jordan Davis does, and you see that defense kind of utilize his skill set to the fullest extent. And he's not a guy that's going to have 10 sacks, but what he does is demand unrelenting attention at the line of scrimmage that creates playmaking opportunities for others, and I think he's one of the best interior defensive linemen I've ever seen. And this is off the top of my head, but, I mean, I, I don't know that he's that far behind guys like Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue and Mount Cody and Glenn Dorsey. I know a little bit different what he does, some of those guys in the 3-4, but I got Jordan Davis there. Uh, to me, Will Anderson, too. I mean, dude, you have 34 tackles for loss. Like, you can take away all your sacks because sacks are a duplicate stat. Kevin and I, Ben, were enjoying this nerd stat conversation earlier today. When you get a sack, you also get a tackle for loss. You can take away all of the sacks, and Will Anderson still has 17 tackles for loss, and I believe would still be the SEC leader in that category. It's statistically unparalleled in the modern era what he is doing as a playmaker off the edge. And then I do think it's cliche, but I think Bryce Young is number one. He's he's calm. He's composed. He's cool. He's completing a high percentage of his passes. He's throwing the ball downfield. He's rallying his team. I think he threw, what, just his fifth, fourth or fifth interception uh, in, the, in, in, in the Cotton Bowl, protects the football, is the ultimate playmaker. So I'll go Bryce Young one, Will Anderson two, uh, a Jordan Davis three, Jamison Williams four, Nicobe Dean five. I know I don't have Evan Neal. I don't have Brock Bowers. I don't feel good about this, but that's my five. Man, my number I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm a uh, 2022. I'm gonna go one to five. My number one is Bryce Young. You touch the ball every play. I mean, BJ, he's so cool, calm, and collected. His ability to improvise. If he sees a, I don't know, he got his play the way the play broke down. And he just pitches it out to the right. It's like he's uh, and and, and Bryce Young. I mean, winning a high, but got to mean something. Forty six and five, but he is cool, calm, and collected. My number two is Nicobe Dean. The thing about Nicobe Dean, BJ, that we don't give him enough credit for is he's a he he don't get the stats. He's an impactful player. He's showing up every single game. They're not showing Will Anderson talk about the things he's done. He's doing it against Will Anderson. We, we didn't see him that much <coughs> in the NC Championship game, but Nicobe Dean just shows up and BJ, the numbers, the numbers going up. Uh, BJ, that's what I've been trying to tell you about them numbers, right? The numbers going to tell you a part of the story. You got you got to do it with the eye test. My number three is Will Anderson, though. He, I'm, I'm going to put him there. I'm not going to put him two. I'm going to put him three. Because I do think, BJ, when you talk about the tackles for loss, that only adds to what he does as far as, like, the sack totals and things of that nature. My number four, and I'm sorry, people. You can get mad at me. It's freaking Brock Bowers. Y'all better – what? what is – we are watching a young man. Okay, so people are going to say, well, being what about if, – if other guys are scoring the, catching the football, that's because he's being double. This guy's a freshman. And he's getting it done. So for me, it is Brock Bowers. And I know people going to get mad. BJ, my number five, people going to get mad. It ain't Jordan Davis. It ain't Evan Neal. 
is Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker is finding a way to get it done in the pass game and in the run game. Just ask the guard. And to me, BJ, that's that's kind of what uh, Georgia's defense is, right? We're not going to have a guy that has 10 sacks. But N'Kobe Dean, Trayvon Walker, with a Brock Bowers, I'm telling you, man, you got a guy on offense, two guys on defense, Jordan Davis, I love you, man. And that's taking that's not taking anything away from him, but he's impactful, BJ. You know, early er, early downs. I'm talking about late game. You know, third down passing game. I got to see it, but for me, I mean, I just, I just think that Trayvon Walker is a late bloomer right now. I think second on the team in sacks with just five. They're not gonna have a double digit sack guy, but watch out for those Trayvon Walker man. Six five, two forty five. You can't coach height. You can't coach uh, athleticism, and the young man has them both. Great lists uh, for, for, for both of you. We'll see who steps up and rises to the top. Cream rises to the top if all those guys are there on Monday night. we got to step aside. We'll talk with Mike Bratton, SEC Mike. He is the host of that SEC podcast, and he will join us when we return to 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here with you on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Glad you are with us here on the show. Coming up in the final hour of the program, we'll hear from Rennie Kern, former UGA All-American, and also Dane Young, UGAsports.com. Look ahead to uh, Monday night. We'll do that as well, fellas, with our next guest. He is the host of uh, That SEC Podcast. SEC Mike, Mike Bratton joins us here on 3 and Out. Mike, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. And, uh, again, Georgia-Bama, the rematch. What do you make of all the uh, the rematch talk in terms of, well, it's hard to beat a good team uh, twice. Uh, does that matter when it comes to Alabama, who kind of breaks the mold on a lot of these things? What's your kind of initial thoughts on Georgia-Bama Part 2 for 2021-2022 for here? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of hard to shake what we just saw in Atlanta. I mean, at you know, maybe the game was a little bit closer than the final score indicated, but uh, absolutely once Alabama started on their roll, it didn't feel like they were going to lose that football game. But, you know, putting that game aside, if that's even possible, you know, just look at the season. And particularly, you know, I'm thinking the last two months of it, I think it was clear as day that Georgia was a better football team. So that kind of weighs heavily heavily in my mind going into this matchup. Can the better team really lose twice in a row. And if they do, I mean, I don't know what Kirby Smart and his pitch is at this point, other than, you know, let's just wait out Nick Saban, because as I see it, Alabama may have the best player or two, maybe even the top three players overall in this game. But I think far and away, Georgia is the better overall roster, the better all team. And if they can't beat this Alabama team, I just, I don't know if they're ever going to do it. Mike, in Atlanta, we saw Alabama's offensive line really slow down Georgia's uh, pass rush. I think it was the first time in 30 or 31 games that Georgia hasn't had a sack. Can Alabama's offensive line, which struggled a lot against Auburn, have a duplicate performance against Georgia a second time? Yeah, I mean, that that right there is the key to the game because even Cincinnati, I thought, got a decent amount of pressure on Bryce Young. You mentioned Auburn, LSU. Uh, Tennessee, Arkansas. I mean, these teams had success doing that. And, you know, hey, I was buying it just like everybody else. Georgia may be the greatest defense of all time. Uh, It certainly seemed like they said, you know, we can sit back here and just rush four and we'll get there. But, you know, I think we all learned pretty quickly that uh, as, as elite and dominant as Georgia is defending the run, 
maybe you can't rely on those guys to get to, to beat one-on-one blocks and get to the quarterback. So that, you know, I don't know that you can make a ton of adjustments considering these teams just played each other. They know who they are at this point. Uh, you know, there's going to have to be subtle changes, no doubt. But that right there, that's going to be the key to the game. And I, I'm kind of leaning towards, no, I don't know if Alabama can do that twice in three games against uh, this Georgia defense. Mike, I know you said that going back to the, the LSU, you know, LSU versus uh, Alabama or Auburn versus, uh, you know, Alabama or even the Texas A&M. But those teams play Alabama year in and year out. Those teams just know how to play them. Georgia only plays them in these type of situations. Was Georgia just the number one team in the country or the best team in the country when they're not playing Alabama? Or was it just a case of Georgia just can't get over this Alabama hump right now? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the million-dollar question. But, uh, you know, it's not like Georgia completely laid an egg here. I mean, they jumped out to 10-0 in the SEC championship game. Uh, the problem in that game was Georgia could not convert on third down. They had two turnovers. And in the red zone, three of five, whereas Alabama was three of three. So, again, to me, it just comes down to execution. Can You certainly don't want to ask Stetson Bennett to win a shootout against Bryce Young because you're going to lose that battle every time. So it's just going to be so important that, uh, you know, Georgia executes when they get down there in the red zone. Stetson Bennett doesn't got to be a star. He doesn't got to be a Heisman Trophy winner. But, yeah, I mean, if they cannot do it, and, and they have played Alabama back-to-back years. So I'll push back a little bit on, on what you're saying there because these players have seen Alabama twice now in back-to-back years, and it's been the exact same score, I believe, both times. So, it, like I said, if you cannot beat this Alabama team, I don't know if you're ever going to do it. And, and maybe that is a mental block, and it's not just Kirby, but it's his players that – are getting asked about this time and time and time again. Alabama, why can't you beat Alabama? This is, uh, I think it's their best shot to do it. Mike Bratton, that SEC podcast. And uh, on the offensive side, uh, Mike, for, for folks who love stories and storylines, you mentioned Stetson Bennett and what a story that could potentially be. I know a lot of people talked about Baker Mayfield uh, winning the Heisman, getting his team into the college football playoff as a former walk-on. Stetson, a, a walk-on who left got the call that they needed him to come back, came back, and now uh, as a former walk-on, has his team with a chance to play for the national championship. How good of a story would that be if they finish it off on Monday night? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a Stinson Bennett trophy, or excuse me, a a plaque like we do down there in Gainesville with Tim Tebow with his, uh, you know, his speech he made after they lost to Ole Miss and they won the national championship. I think we're going to have something similar like that in Athens uh, should – and there's probably going to be a Disney movie that comes after it. But, you know, it's easy to make uh, that the, the topic. But to me, the big topic, and I cannot believe this guy was not even nominated for assistant coach of the year. But I think, you know, we all look at Georgia's defense, and, and I understand because they were so elite. But Todd Munkin, that offensive coordinator, you look at what he's had to deal with, with uh, JT Daniels getting hurt, George Pickens getting hurt, all these receivers going down during the offseason. Yet he's manufactured ways to where Georgia's offense was pretty stellar for most of the season. They're top five in efficiency offense across the country. I don't think Todd Munkin gets enough credit. And, uh, you know, if he can squeeze another good game out of Stetson Bennett, yeah, I I mean, all the praise is going to go to Stetson, but don't overlook uh, Todd Munkin's contribution there. Mike, wanted to ask you about uh, uh, Brock Bowers, who's just been an incredible tight end. 
for Georgia. Yeah. One of the question is he a guy that can can be a catalyst for a winning performance for for Georgia, or do you look at the SEC championship game and go, hey, Brock Bowers had ten catches for 138 yards and a touchdown, and Georgia only scored 24 points. How do you view Brock Bowers and his role uh, coming up on Monday night? I mean, he's just incredible. He's one of the best true freshmen I've seen in a long, long time in this conference, but. You got to assume that uh, now maybe easier said than done because, like you said, Alabama couldn't do it in the SEC title game. Michigan sure couldn't do it in the semifinal. But uh, I think if I'm Alabama, Pete Golding, Nick Saban, I try to make someone else beat me because Brock Bowers is so incredible and he's such a matchup nightmare. But hey, I wouldn't hold it past him to uh, you know take over this game, so to speak. But you know, I think maybe that was part of the issue in the SEC championship game, particularly late. In that ball game, I think Stetson maybe a little too much relies on his tight end and, and just staring down the amazing Brock Bowers. We need other guys like James Cook to step up. We need George Pickens maybe. Now with all this rest, how's he look in a championship game? He started to make plays there in the SEC title game. I, I think Georgia's really going to need other guys to step up if they're going to win. Mike, I mean, you mentioned it earlier when you talk about a guy like Kirby Smart, who he's he's taking off every box, right? I mean, this is the second national championship appearance. I mean, he's dominating the East, number one, number two, uh, you know, uh, nationally in uh, you know, uh, in recruiting classes. But at a certain point, you got to get it done. If he doesn't get it done on Monday night, how how does it does his uh? Does uh, like everything he's trying to do with that program does it start to sour a little bit? Because you know, this Georgia fan base, they've been waiting. If he doesn't get it done on, on Monday, how how you know how big of a step back does that put him as far as like, trying to develop these players? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't think it's too too big of a step because they're still recruiting at an elite level. And you know, at the end of the day, when you ask these types of questions, the reality is, who are you going to get? I mean, are you going to get Dabo to come down? Uh, are you going to get Jimbo Fisher, who just signed a, another mega contract? I mean, there's just not a, a lot of guys out there that are, that are an upgrade over Kirby. And if nothing else, I mean, you just, you just say, hey, we're 30 years younger than Nick Saban over here. He's got to retire at some point. And, uh, you know, until someone else emerges, I just don't know that, uh, you know, you can start to give the hot seat talk to old Kirby just because he can't beat Alabama because last time I checked, hardly anybody can do it. And Mike, on that other side, I mean, Nick Saban, again, for most of the season, the talking points, especially after they lost to, to, uh, to Texas A&M, which was in the last seconds of the game, by the way, uh, you know, this offensive line just isn't as good as, as we've seen, and uh, the offense really struggles. Defensively, maybe they're not as good, and yet here they are, Nick Saban, once again, playing for a national championship uh, on Monday night. I mean, just how crazy, and I know he's got great players, but how crazy is it that even when – you feel like there's a crack in the armor, he's still right back there playing for it all. Yeah, I mean, well, basically nothing Nick Saban at Alabama does uh, surprises me at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's the greatest for a reason. But, hey, we're writing the story like it's already written. If he comes out here and lays an egg and Georgia dominates because they're a better team, uh, you know, it's not that great of a story because, they, like I said, they, they should have lost to LSU, I think. LSU had two cracks at him, couldn't get it done. Uh, Auburn really should have won that football game. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm not buying that uh, a lot of people saying this is the best job Nick Saban's done. It's not over yet. So, uh, hey, if they come out here and whoop Georgia, maybe it is, but uh, I just don't see that happening. 
Mike, what's your prediction uh, for Monday night? Obviously, we're here in dog country. A lot of, I think, apprehension, but also optimism. Uh, where are you leaning? Yeah, honestly, I'm leaning towards Georgia to win, and I would not even be surprised if they win by, say, 10 points because I really do think they're the better team. They've, they've showcased that for the vast majority of the season. It didn't show up in Atlanta when Alabama's backs were against the wall and Georgia had a mulligan, and you know, at the end of the day, they just – they just didn't get it done. They didn't execute on the field. And uh, I just I go with the better team here. I know Alabama's got Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jamison Williams. Those are, like I said, potentially the three best players in the game. But I'll take the collective over the star power. So I got Georgia winning this game and give them a touchdown win. And, I met Mike, I know you already said that if Stetson Bennett can pull this off, he's going to get a statue in Athens like uh, like Tim Tebow did. But is there is there going to be a greater story in college football that you can remember? A guy, Stetson Bennett, Blackshield, Georgia, walk on, left, got called back, not just for 2022, but what he meant for this team last year. He's grown up the last two years. Where would this Georgia program be if Stetson Bennett didn't pick up the call when Kirby Smart made it? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't like to – I'm not going to call the guy out here, but, you know, I think, I think they're in a similar position if they got JT Daniels right now. I, I really do because I think JT Daniels is uh, the more talented player. Now, I don't know why he's not playing. No one seems to, to have a firm answer on that. But, uh, no, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's a great story, but I don't know. I, it, it's ridiculous to almost to say this, but I kind of wish they would give JT Daniels a little bit more of a, a shot because – if that that may be the end of the story here. We may get in another shootout with Alabama, and I just don't think Stetson is uh, designed to win a football game like that. That's that's got to be the biggest thing. You got to get after Bryce Young. Can't let him score forty points. If this thing gets into the high thirties, Alabama's probably going to win again. Mike Bratton, SEC Mike, that SEC podcast. Our guest here on Three and Out. You can catch him on uh, Paul Feinbaum's show coming up in about uh, forty-five minutes or so. Mike, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Mike Bratton joining us here on 3 and Out. As again, Monday night, it's Georgia and Alabama for it all. We've still got more to come there. Rennie Curran, former Georgia All-American linebacker, will join us. His thoughts on that defense getting, as uh, as Mike said, a mulligan uh, here against this Alabama team. And also, Dane Young, UGASports.com, will join us coming up in the final hour of the program as well. When we come back, your shot to win a copy of Uncommon and Unfinished, the Ben Troop story. We'll do that when we return here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. It is 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, and Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to coming up in the final hour of the program. Rennie Curran, Dane Young going to join us. We're talking Georgia football uh, coming up in the final hour of the program. But Ben, have a chance for a listener once again to win a copy of Uncommon and Unfinished, the Ben Troop story. Going to give one away all the way up through uh, the Super Bowl uh, each week. We're going to do it today. Caller number 4, 912-342-7184. Uh, 912-342-7184. Caller number 4 can win a copy of the book or Go to bentroop84.com, and you can uh, purchase a copy uh, of the book, uh, Uncommon and Unfinished. Absolutely, Kevin. I mean, something that we, we've been doing since 2021, going to carry it over to the new year until, I would say, are we saying until the Super Bowl? Who knows? But, yes, uh, the fourth caller, that you know, the fourth the fourth caller that, that dials in, 
Get a copy of my new book, Uncommon Unfinished, The Ben True Story with BJ Bennett. As Kevin says, in 2021, it also goes to 2022. You know, uh, my book is finished. I am not. But you can get a copy <laughs> of Uncommon and Unfinished, The Ben True Story with BJ Bennett. The fourth, the fourth uh, call at 912-342-7184. This is a beautiful journey uh, that, that I got a chance to go on. And BJ Bennett writing the book for me, just talking about myself, my family, uh, my football career, post-football career, uh, fatherhood, triumphs, tribulations. You know, Kevin, just, you know, man, you know, uh, fatherhood, manhood, just everything that you go through in life. But I'm, I feel really, really good uh, about the project. Once again, uh, the fourth call at 912 912- 342-7184. We'll get an autographed signed copy of Uncommon Unfinished The Ben True Story, uh, you know, with BJ Bennett. And uh, like I said, man, I mean it's it's been a great journey. I've been, I've looked, you know, been a lot of winners over the, you know, over the over the last couple of months, but I'm looking to keep it going. 912-342-7184. We'll get a signed autographed copy of Uncommon Unfinished. The Ben True Story. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, and call uh, right now, and uh, you can be the uh, the fourth caller and win that copy. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four. And again, I know it's been a lot of fun and a uh, uh, just uh, the process of writing the book. You've talked about it a number of times. Ben was a a fun time, and again, happy to uh, to give away a copy. We're going to keep doing it up until the Super Bowl. So uh, still a chance for you to uh, continue to win if you haven't gotten a copy. We'll come back. We will talk with Rennie Curran, former Georgia Bulldogs linebacker. He will join us. Us next here on three now on the Southern Pixie Radio Network. Welcome back, three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben as we get to the final hour of the program. A lot to get to. Dane Young, UGASports.com will join us uh, coming up here in just a little bit. But joining us here right off the jump, a former All-American linebacker at the University of Georgia, 298 career tackles, 24.5 tackles for loss. Rennie Curran joins us here on 3 and Out. Rennie, welcome to the show. How are you? Man, I'm doing great, man. Glad to make it into 2022. How you guys doing? Hey, man, we are doing uh, doing fantastic. And uh, as a Georgia defender, really good Georgia defender, this has been a, an elite Georgia defense all year long. What is that mindset on that side of the ball, knowing they get another crack at, at Alabama after the way uh, it kind of panned out for them at the SEC championship game. Oh, man, as a defensive player, you I mean, just excitement. I, I mean, I, there's no other way to put it. You know I mean? I think about so many games back when I played at University of Georgia where it's like we were off that day, man, whether it was game plan-wise or whether there was a player who just had a great day. And uh, a lot of times, Oftentimes, you never get another opportunity, and that's that's it. You have to live with those plays that you did or didn't make. And so, um, you know, looking at the fact that these guys get another opportunity, man, it's the same group of guys pretty much. There's no going to be no surprises or anything like that, man. As a defensive player, I'm licking my chops, man. I, I uh, pretty much know uh, what to expect. You know, they have their best, absolute best game. I know what mistakes um, that I made, and, and so I know Kirby – it was probably not probably he was breathing down their neck. He was staying on them. So it was probably uh, Dan Lanning and, and everything. And they had that extra time to clean things up. And so I, I would definitely be excited, man, at the opportunity. Rennie, we were talking about Nicobe Dean earlier and just all over the field, you know, one of the great linebackers of, of this era, like yourself, when you watch him, what, what stands out? What makes him so effective? Definitely. I mean, without a doubt, consistency, you know, just his ability to show up game in and game out, uh, especially on a defense like this that's extremely talented. I mean, across the board, 
you're not going to see really anybody who's who's made a ridiculous amount of stats because everybody is getting in on the action. And so for him to really st- still stand out, man, and, and make those big plays, that's the next thing. He, he makes game-changing plays. It's not like he just, you know, racks up a bunch of tackles, but he's causing fumbles. He's getting the stats. Like, he's, he's being very, very disruptive. He can cover. I mean, he does so many things well. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you have a dominant defense like that, man, you're, you're always going to look good as a linebacker, especially – when you got those defense alignment who are covering up, uh, covering you up, allowing you to make those plays, so I, I think that's an even bigger reason why he's been able to be so successful is because he's got a big old Jordan Davis in front of him covering up, you know, two, two sometimes three guys on a given play, and, and you know those those guys are extremely extremely talented. So it all goes hand in hand. I look at him, Kobe Dean, and you know he's no different than what you know offensive linemen is how important they are to the to the running backs, you know, and a fullback is to a running back and, you know, same thing with a quarterback. It's, it all is the same. So he, uh, you know, he's definitely a great and extremely talented player, not taking anything away from him. He's, he's been able to make some great plays. And then, you know, he's an amazing leader as well. Got to give that to him. I mean, that was something that uh, a lot of folks wondered about, you know, with him coming into these last couple of years. You know, he's had Monty Rice. He's had other linebackers that, have worked with him that, that have kind of overshadowed him at times, but to really be able to come into his own, that, that says a lot about him and a lot about the linebackers coach as well. Schumann has done an amazing job just developing guys. I don't think he really gets enough credit. I mean, from Roquan to Monty Rice, I mean, so many linebackers he's brought in. And even you look at Channing and uh, Quay Walker, I mean, golly, nobody was talking about those guys, man, a couple of years ago. Now these guys are legit playmakers that are going to have an opportunity on the next level. Rennie, Monday night comes and Georgia, you know, they, they finally exercise a lot of demons, man. They get they get that uh, monkey off their back and they are the college football, you know, national champions. That linebacker, that linebacker court that you just talked about from your time to, you know, uh, I mean, back when I played with Boss Bailey and you know, Tony Gibbon, those guys, y'all all in the same room. Because what do y'all say to each other? Because unfortunately, people will say, oh, we got to win it to get the validation. I don't think that's true. But it, but if the validation does come Monday and y'all finally in the same room, what is that conversation going to be like to say, hey, man, because if they win it on Monday, they win it for everybody that's ever put on red and black, mm-hmm. whether current or future, what is that room going to be like? Oh, man. I mean, it it's all right. We ain't even got to get in the room, man. I, I talk to those guys, man, and it's always nothing but love. It's always, hey, man, we proud of you. you representing us, man. You know how it is. when After you're done playing, you see another guy uh, wearing your jersey. <laughs> Life goes on, man. You you kind of fade out, and, and so when you see these guys, man, to go out there and represent you, and and play the game the way that it's supposed to be played, and do it with class, and do it with with extreme effort, and you know you look at a guy, he reminds you of yourself, man. It's it's special, man. And then to actually have a relationship with these guys is, is amazing. So you know, in that room, we all get in there. It's, it'll be nothing but love, nothing but support. And it goes beyond football. I mean, you know this, man. When you take that jersey off after all the championships are done and, you know, the, the trophies are collecting dust, man, it's it's a brotherhood. So beyond that, it's, it's you know, beyond the field, it's, man, hey, if I can never do anything for you off the field, man, when you get ready to transition, because you know, we know how tough that is, it's, hey, let, let me know how I can help you, man. Let me know uh, who I can connect you with. Let me know how I can support you. In any way, so you know, even beyond football, man, that's that's what that conversation will be like as well. Because you know, all the lights and newspaper articles and the TVs are great, man. But when all that stuff turns off, it gets real. And so that's another part of the conversation that I that I always have with a lot of these guys too. 
Rennie Curran, former Georgia All-American linebacker, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Rennie, in sports, uh, there's always a team. It doesn't matter whether it's college football, NFL, Little League, what have you. There's always a team that stands in your way or you just have a hard time beating. And, and to get over that hump, they're not just going to give it to you. What is it about Alabama that just has been so difficult for, for, for Georgia to just to, to get that win when they want it? Yeah, I mean, you guys asked me about Nicole Dean and what makes him great, and it's, it's almost the same thing with Alabama. I mean, it's that consistency. It's that ability to show up and make big plays when they need to. You know, they, they perform at an elite level across the board. There's no real uh, significant drop-off when you look at them as a complete team. And, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, <laughs> whenever they're playing against us, they just always have our number, man. They, they always just find a way. But that's what champions do. That's what you have to do. You also need a little bit of luck. We talk about being a championship-caliber team and everything, so they, they've had those plays that have gone their way. They've had those times where, you know, they've been down, but they've been able to get that big-time playmaker. Sometimes, you know, they, they don't, you don't even know about that person until later on, like a Devontae Smith. But, um, you know, they, they find a way to get the right guys in the right positions, and they're not afraid to, to pull that trigger even. You know, we saw what Nick Saban did in the past, switching out the quarterbacks, which is an extremely bold move. Um, I didn't really agree with, but he knows his personnel, and that's part of it as well, too, knowing your personnel and making sure you, that you put them in the right position to succeed. So uh, they, they do a lot of great things, man. I got I, I don't like Bama, but got a lot of respect for them uh, just in terms of not just what they do on the field, but even off the field. Like the first time I really heard about even uh, mental toughness coaches and, and guys who do those extra things that give players an, an edge beyond just what they do on the field, man, was – was Bama, you know, working with guys like Trevor Moad and, and um, you know, Kevin Elko and whatnot, who I just met recently. But they're, they're training not just them physically, but they're training their mindset to make sure that even when guys are down, even when, you know, the you get up on them, like they're still not out the game, you know, because if you, if you train a player's mindset to where they always believe they're going to win and they always expect to win, that's, that's dangerous, especially at that, you know, when they're already talented at that level. So they do a lot of a lot of things, probably even more than that. Um, you know, if I were to be in the locker room, you know, or in the weight room, in the film room with them, there's there's things that they do. You don't get to that level and, and be that consistent um, just by chance or just because you got a bunch of five stars. It, it goes deeper than that. Kind of a follow up to that, Randy. I mean, let's look ahead to Monday night. Does does confidence does it does it ebb and flow in a game? I mean, you go back to the SEC title game, right? Georgia got up ten nothing, and then Alabama was able to rally. I mean, is this something where you're not gonna, you know, finally be over that hump until you're actually over that hump, or could this be something where Georgia has some big plays early, Georgia gets an early lead, and you can kind of build to that during the game? Yeah, I, I, normally I would say that yeah, it, it ebbs and flows and whatnot when you're playing the typical team. And you can kind of see that with uh, when they played Michigan. Michigan came in and they tried to make some plays early on and, and be sporadic. But it's different when you're dealing with a Bama. Like I said, they, they really train their mindset and they have that belief and that expectation. And when you have that level of expectation where you just expect to win and not, it's not arrogant, right, it's not, it's not an entitlement. It's based off of how you train. It's based off how you prepare. It's based off of trusting each other, believing in, in each other. You know, it's hard to beat that. It's very, very hard. So you literally have to knock the life out of them the entire game. Like, you cannot back off until that clock re-zero. Like, that's just how you got to roll with, with folks like this that are used to winning 
and, and playing at that level and used to being on those big stages. So it's not even like they get moved by being in an environment like that. They're they're used to it, and so you have to go at, at them with everything that you have, and then you almost have to not almost you have to put yourself in that mindset that I'm going to be the bully, but it's not just a front. Like, this is really what I'm going to do, have to do. I'm going to have to destroy them. And that's what Kirby is trying, has been trying to ingrain in them this entire season, this entire year, that you can't just go out and say you're going to win. Like, you got to break folks' will. And that's what he's trained them to do, and they're finally getting it. And that's why you're starting to see Georgia be at this consistent level of performance and, and excellence and whatnot. And it has to be throughout the entire program. It can't just be... You know, in the weight room, it can't just be in recruiting. It has to be in the facilities. It has to be, you know, academically with every facet, and it just has to be a part of your culture. And I think that's what Nick Saban has been able to create with with Bama, which has led to this consistency. And you don't see that in a lot of programs. So, you know, I, I think it's really, you know, getting back to what I said before, to beat these guys, you literally have to do it in all phases of the game. You got to do it consistently, and that means when you get in the red zone. You got and you got a chance to score against these guys. You got to score. If you get a chance to make that pick, you got to make that pick. If you got a chance to, you know, get the sack, you can't let that slip because this, when you're when it's this level of talent and ability, the dang I, I tell people all the time, the margin of error is so small. The the difference between winning and losing is tiny. The you know, the difference between you know somebody like a Destin looking like he had a great game and a horrible game is extremely small. So um, that's that's what I believe is going to be the difference in this game. Brandon, when I was when I was in college, man, my, you know, your coaches got these sayings. They always coming up to you with these sayings. He would always say, "Ben, it's about the abilities, the abilities, the abilities." I'm like, "What you talking about?" He'll say, "Responsibility, accountability, durability." He said, mm-hmm. "But the best among us is sustainability." That's what Alabama does that nobody else. Like they just they find a way to have this sustained like like uh, success mm-hmm. over and over and over. Brandon, when you was at Georgia. When was that point when it hit you? You said, dude, this is what these coaches are trying to get me to say. But like you said, Kirby trying to get all of them to think, look, we got to think one way because bullies don't like to get hit. But if you hit them, they are going to hit you back. Are you willing to fight them after you punch them in the mouth? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you have coaches like that, man, and they got a different style. It's usually those guys, that those coaches that come off a little crazy. Right, because they just—I mean—it's almost like nothing's ever good enough. They're always breathing down your neck. Though you know, if you mess up, man, they act like you know the whole world is over. I, I had some coaches like that. We had one coach Fab that was just crazy, but he'll—he'll he'll tell you something that man that that'll just hurt your feelings. <laughs> and it, it's like he'll break—he'll kind of break your spirit. But when you, like you said, when you really buy into what these guys are saying, like and really understanding, it, it's about understanding, like the level of where you say you're trying to be. So if you say you're, you're trying to be a champion, well, shoot, this is going to require a certain mindset. This is going to re- require a certain level of detail. This is going to re- require a certain level of consistency. And at that age, man, when you're 18 to 21 years old, you're nine times out of ten, you're not thinking like that, man. You, you're trying to get practice done with so you can go holler at a girl or go downtown or whatever it is. So I, I get it, man. A lot of those guys, man, they, they really are harsh, but – you know, the ones that are special, the coaches that I love the most are the ones that are hard like that. But at the same time, you know they care. You know that they love you at the end of the day and everything. And that's, that's where you have that buy-in and you have guys that are able to really, really build something special. And, uh, you know, when you have the players that buy into that, man. And I, Like I said, I think the players are really, really starting to understand uh, where Kirby is coming from. And it's like when you start to buy in and you start to see the results, 
then it builds that morale and that camaraderie even more. And uh, I could see it last week, like when Kirby went off on Stetson after he didn't uh, get that extra play in. I mean, Kirby he was like he's about to have a heart attack. <laughs> like every time I see him go out, but it's like you could see Stetson's response that he wasn't like feeling bad or anything. He knew that man, this is where I need to be. And even the players when when they tried to do the Gatorade bath, and Kirby was like, nah, like they got it, you know. And I think that's what makes this this team special. We're going to continue to see them at this level because they're starting to really buy in to that level of excellence that's uh, necessary to be at that level. Rennie Curran joining us here on 3 and Out. Rennie, finally, we've got about a minute left. How often did you hear about 1980 when you were at, uh, at, at Georgia, and, and what would it mean if this team is able to, uh, to go ahead and, and exercise that demon? Man, all, all the time. I mean, I feel like you, you see or hear about the 90, 1980 crew all the time. Those, those guys, it's crazy that – I mean, it's not – crazy no knock against them i got nothing but love and respect for them but that they're still this relevant you know to this day and everything so it would mean i mean the world for for a new group of guys and these guys deserve it i mean we forget it a lot you know especially as georgia fans that this time last year we weren't even sure we we're gonna have a season there was so much going on in the world and society as a whole and so much adversity these guys have had to overcome and who knows what has happened to their, you know, within their families and everything that they've had to deal with and just strap up and still go at it. So these these guys deserve it, man, for the work that they put in and, and still being students. We forget that as well, too, that they're still going out there. They're competing in the classroom at a UGA, which is not an easy school at all to get into academically or even maintain uh, as well and everything. So I, I really, it, it would really mean the world to me. And, and just really, I would be extremely happy for them. You know, I, I mentor some of these guys. I've been able to see some of these guys from me, even when they were in high school, you know, from their sophomore year and everything, and, and really watch them grow and everything. So it, it would be awesome just to see them go out as champions, especially as, especially the seniors, man. And I think about Stetson, too, man. Being a kid like myself, man, same thing. We grew up Georgia fans. Like, your home, you want to be that hometown kid. You want to make everybody proud. Like, to see Stetson, man, with everything, all the hate that he's faced, everything, to see him go out as a winner, too, with, would mean the world to me as well. He's he's an underdog just like I was. People look at his stature. People tell him he's not you know he's not tall enough. He's not a five star. Whatever. To see him go out as a winner, man, I I, I really really would be extremely happy. Rennie Curran, former All American linebacker, at the University of Georgia, our guest. Rennie, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Go dogs. Appreciate it, Rennie Curran, our guest here on Three and Out. We'll come back. Dane Young, UGA Sports, Georgia's here on Three and Out. Welcome back, three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, and BJ Bennett. Glad you are with us all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Georgia and Bama coming up on Monday night. Uh, Going to be a lot of fun watching that game take place there in Indy. And joining us from UGASports.com, Dane Young steps in here with us on three and out. Dane, welcome to the show. How are you? Man, I'm well. I appreciate you guys having me and everything that uh, you do to be a voice for East Georgia and Southeast Georgia. Hey, we uh, we certainly enjoy doing it, and we appreciate you coming on. And, and Dane, I guess from a guy who covers this team day in and day out, what's going to be different about Monday night from what happened back in early December at the SEC championship game? I think if you look at it, it comes down to turnovers. Georgia had two critical ones, and then they did not recover one in the SEC championship. If whoever wins this turnover battle 
if it's two or three in either direction, that's going to be the national champion because the two teams are too even elsewhere. Uh, and, and as you saw, when those swings happen, I mean, Georgia was tied, and then the next time the offense had a snap that was meaningful, it was down 14 points. So the combination of the turnovers and then what Bryce Young did that day with, with John Mechie and Jamison Williams, Georgia didn't have an answer. And I guess the main difference is going to be that Alabama does not have John Mechie and Georgia does have George Pickens. So if you're doing stock up, stock down with uh, you know the skill players in the field, Georgia's probably got a bit more of a full deck this time than Alabama. What happened a month ago in that game? Does that affect this upcoming game in terms of psychology in any way? I mean, is that extra affirmation for Alabama if they need any? Or could that even come with maybe a just a hint of doubt for Georgia? Or do you think these two teams are so good, obviously the stakes are what they are, none of that matters? Yeah, I think with the stakes as they are, I, I don't know if there can be any more juice that either side could could need or have. I mean, there, there's the old adage, it's hard to beat a team twice, but we have seen it before. The last time Georgia was in this position, losing to Auburn uh, in 2017 in the regular season and then getting the win against Auburn in the SEC championship, it went their way. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be that way this time. You know, one thing with these national championships, I, I do think that people – kind of have a foregone conclusion that this is going to be a super tight game in the end, and it might be. But if you look at the college football playoff national championships, uh, and this is coming off semifinals where the average margin of victory in all the semifinals in the CFP have been like 20 points. And in the national championship, the average final score is 41 to 26. And the last competitive national championship was Georgia and Alabama. So what I'm saying is I could see a situation where it's close, or I could see a situation where either of these teams win by two scores. I mean, it's, each side has the talent to make all of those scenarios happen. Kirby Smart is a guy that obviously, you know, since he's uh, t- taken over at Georgia, has taken them to heights they've never seen. I mean, back this is his second uh, national championship appearance. How much has he grown, though, Dane, over the years? Because you understand that, you know, he couldn't have made this decision by Stetson Bennett if this is year one for him. There's no way he could have had the stripes on the wall. But to be able to make a decision to say, I got a five-star JT Daniels, I got Carson Beck, but I can make, I can say Stetson is going to be the guy because I've earned this with the teams that I put out there over the years. Yeah, it's tough to say how much it's growth and how much maybe is a little luck and how much Stetson Bennett has just personally improved. Because I guess if you look at the face of it, right, it's the same decision that Georgia made in 17, that Jacob Beeson was the starter, he gets hurt, Jake Fromm comes in, the team plays well. Uh, I think Stetson Bennett's playing at a much higher level than uh, Jake Fromm probably did the majority of his career at Georgia. So, so maybe it's apples and oranges in that sense. Um, but, like, you know, going forward, the conversation is going to be that, like, for there to be so many quarterback things in the middle of the season, there's still something with Georgia about quarterbacks right now. Uh, but none of that matters in this particular game. And Stetson Bennett, uh, you know, I saw someone on Twitter, an analyst for the ACC Network, say something like, can Georgia win the national championship with a game manager or quarterback? And all that that told me is that that person had not watched Georgia football for the last three months. Because can Stetson Bennett do the ground control game? Sure. But, like, you can't watch – these last two games, and I'm including Alabama, and say that Stetson's simply a game manager. Uh, if anything, when Stetson gets in trouble, it's when he uh, doesn't game manage enough. I mean, he, he, if he can prevent turnovers, this guy can win a national championship for Georgia, uh, and then you know all the storybooks can be written from there. But 
Uh, he he's a really good college football player and a really good quarterback. It's just that a lot of people didn't see it for a long time, and some of that's because he wasn't that this whole time. He's improved dramatically this season. Dane Young, UGASports.com, joining us here on Three and Out. So, Dane, who's uh, who's helping him out on on Monday night catching the football? Obviously, Brock Bowers uh, did a number on Alabama last time. It can't just be him. Who else is stepping up to help Stetson Bennett out on that offensive side and, and make a play for him? Well, I mentioned George Pickens earlier. I think everyone everyone wants to see, to see his volume of snaps increase. And, you know, he had that block that went viral against Michigan. If he's playing with that kind of intensity, that's a good thing. But two guys that I don't think are probably getting enough publicity for what they mean to the offense in terms of skill players is Jermaine Burton, who has really increased his open field blocking uh, and run protection as well. That used to be a liability last year and even early this season. I'd say the last five or six weeks, he's a weapon in downhill blocking. And Lad McConkey is, is the same way, that either of those guys can be on the field because George has been running these two and three tight end sets to have a lot of blocking out there. You have options for Bowers and Washington and John Fitzpatrick is a big guy. So I think all of those pieces put together could make things a little bit tougher on Alabama's defensive backs than even things were a month ago. Let's say Georgia's got a close, you know, slim lead late. Alabama has the ball based on what we saw a month ago in Atlanta, do you think Georgia can stop Bryce Young in a games-on-the-line situation late Monday night? Not with the same defensive philosophy that they played in the SEC Championship. I mean, in that particular game, we saw uh, Lyman not rushing. They were worried about Bryce Young scrambling, I guess. I mean, we were seeing defensive tackles, Jalen Carter and Devontae Wyatt, stand up and almost play a spy. Like The, the mentality was, let's don't let this guy get – you know, two or three yards near the line of scrimmage. And that doesn't matter because he wants to sit back eight yards behind the line of scrimmage and just wait. So Georgia has to crash the pocket. They have to send some pressure. That's what Auburn did. That's what LSU has done. Uh, and I know it's Alabama, and I know that that's a juggernaut name, and this is a juggernaut team. But this is also a team that lost to Texas A&M, lost to Auburn, or uh, was in a situation to lose to Auburn and, and pulled it out at the end, uh, struggled against LSU, struggled against Arkansas. And so this team can be beat, and I know it's a Heisman winner, but uh, he's made some mistakes this year too. So Georgia's got to find a way to make him uncomfortable, and every quarterback gets worse when they have someone like Nolan Smith in their face. Dane, two guys on, you know, one guy on offense, one guy on defense that I think that could really uh, come out of this game being the X factors is James Cook, obviously, on at, on offense. And, uh, you know, uh, when you talk about Trayvon Walker, I mean, way, how he's been playing lately, those guys can end up being, you know, really your offensive, defensive MVPs coming out of this game. Man, you look at Trayvon Walker, I think you could argue that guy may be finding himself in, like, the top 15, top 20 in the NFL draft, in, in, you know, in April. Uh, just a phenomenal end of the season for him. So I, I'm completely on board with you there. And then James Cook, you know, Georgia has found ways to get him involved in the passing game in recent weeks, and I think that that's been very beneficial. Uh, but the other thing is he's improved his in-between-the-tackles running. Um, Georgia has not been running, I would say, super efficient in the last few weeks, uh, but that's going to be required against Alabama too. If either of these teams get one-dimensional, then it's more likely that those turnovers that I was talking about get created. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right on the spot there with, uh, with Trayvon and, and James Cook. Trayvon may be the key to the fast rush that I was talking about. Dane Young, UGASports.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. Dane, I know you probably get tired of writing about it, having to hear about it as much as the players do, but if they don't do it on Monday night, I guess the question is, if not Monday night, when? 
Well, when you look at the talent that Georgia has coming through and the schedule, frankly, next year is about as weak as, as the regular season schedule was this year, which I know sounds a little quirky in retrospect, but when you see what Clemson became offensively, Georgia's schedule this year was very manageable up until Alabama, and it's going to be very similar next season. And so I think Georgia will be right back in the mix next year, even losing probably nine starters on defense. And I, I would say two of these quarterbacks of a four on, currently on the roster will probably transfer. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is the national title, and it means a lot to you know people in this state. Uh, but I don't think that this is some sentence for Georgia, if not now, when, uh, or if it's not now, then never. I just don't think players even think about it that way. Um, you know, it's, it's for Georgia fans, it stinks that it's taken so long to get back to national championship games, but this is two in, you know, what, four or five years. So hey, I don't see any reason with the way that Georgia's recruiting that they won't at least be in the college football playoff, and that even gets easier as uh, expansion is likely on the way. So we're a couple of days out here, finally. Uh, give us your sense for the mindset of Georgia's fan base. Do you think most of Bulldog Nation excited, maybe feels like they have a second chance that uh, some teams in the past haven't gotten to beat the team they lost to, or do you think given that it's been so long and it's Alabama, people are looking around going, yeah, but that that apprehension is maybe more powerful than that optimism. I think it's probably the latter, right? And so here, here's a story to kind of illustrate that. So a lot of these companies that are going to be selling merchandise for the national champion, they kind of get a start in the marketing and they send it out to media folks like us. And so uh, yesterday we got one of those commemorative football things that has the logo of the national champion on there. You know, it's a specially designed logo. There's one for Alabama too, should they win. Us being Georgia media, we, we got the Georgia version. And I posted that logo over at UGASports.com at the dog vent, and the reaction was uh, fear. It was almost like I've seen a dead body. Like, there's <laughs> things that uh, I can't, like, don't show that to me. I can't see it. I can't let my mind get there. I can't let my heart get there. And I think that's where fans are right now, that, like, it's a great team. It's been a great season. But, like, you can't have hopes get destroyed at this point and think it's going to continue to be okay that's the that's the you know mindset of the fan base and I, I think seeing that particular logo made it feel potentially a little too real in the sense that like maybe it's not going to happen but yeah it's there's a a fear i don't know if it's healthy but i don't i don't know if being a college football fan is healthy either that's a very good point dane young uga sports.com our guest here on three now dane we appreciate the time thanks so much you are the best thanks for having me on Appreciate it. Dane Young joining us here on 3 and Out and, uh, and Monday night. And, uh, again, it's one of those things, uh, BJ, where, where certain fan bases, I know I'm, I'm a uh, proponent of the Ain't No Curses uh, crew. Uh, when you come out there, you either, you either win or you don't. But uh, it's kind of like you, you have that you have that with Braves fans, you have that with Georgia fans. It's like, I'm not going to believe it's true until I see him do it <laughs> with with my own two eyes. And, uh, again, there's a lot of reasons to think that Georgia should feel good coming into uh, to Monday night. No, I think the optimism should be there. You might be asking, you just lost 41-24. to 24. Why would the optimism be there? Because you are in the fight. You are one game away from a national championship. And, yes, that game got out of control a little bit in the second half. But you know you can play with Alabama. You know you match up with Alabama. You have in recent years, I'm not saying the last time you played, but you have in recent years with similar infrastructure 
played Alabama right down to the wire. Like you said earlier in the show, Kevin, everybody in the country, when that sack was made in overtime, said, oh, that's it. Georgia just won the national championship. You were right there. Embrace the opportunity. Embrace the pressure, right? Pressure's a privilege, right? So I think I think if you're a Georgia fan, you love this. You want it to be Alabama. This is who it has to be. Now, is, is that what you're going to be saying if you lose? No, Ben, I see you shaking your head. But if you win and you win by beating Alabama, how much better? Come on, man. How much better is that? It doesn't, it doesn't get much better than that. But, BJ, let, 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 let's just call it what it really is, right? These Georgia fans are nervous as they get. Every superstition there is. I don't want to hear anything. Don't show nothing congratulatory you want to hear if you are a Georgia fan. Now, I mean, Kevin man, said, you'd rather be playing Notre Dame. I get it. Okay. You'd rather be playing Notre Dame. No, 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 no. What, what I'm saying is, BJ, it's, it's almost like Kevin says there are no curses. And I believe that. Superstition is another thing. See, a lot of times we don't even know we're superstitious. We don't know we wear the same hat every time a certain team's win. Somebody, so all I'm saying is this. If you are Georgia, yes, pressure is a privilege. Kirby doesn't play. Kirby calls plays. Kirby recruits. And almost winning is almost, almost winning is the worst thing to do. But do we was like, it's like, it's the worst. Because you were right. Like you said, I, I'd I'd rather, rather, this. against Michigan, it was all excitement, a little tiny bit of fear. Against Alabama, it's now the reverse. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, right? One of my favorite movies is The Great White Hype, you know. And they, listen, and they thought, and they thought, and they thought that Damon Williams was going to get beat because some dude beat him in amateurs, and they got to fight together. And when they signed, when they signed the thing, Samuel Jackson said, "Oh no, in the ring, oh the real dude going to win." See, the thing is, BJ, Michigan can't beat no Georgia. BJ, stop it. Michigan wasn't going to beat no Georgia. Michigan had to beat Ohio State. Come on, no, no. You were telling me, dude, before the game, you were telling me, "I think this is going to be close." I'm going, "What are you talking about?" BJ, sometimes I just, I just like dialogue. I just like going back and forth most of the time. <laughs> Listen, Michigan wasn't going to beat no Georgia. Harbaugh, listen, when's the last time you seen a head coach out there catching passes with gloves on? Harbaugh was nervous as hell, and once they kicked the ball <laughs> off, it was a wrap. Aiden Hutchinson, congratulations. We've got, uh, we got to get, we got to step aside. We went right over. We've got more to come. It's three and out. Talking national championship game on the flip side, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Stetson Bennett, Bryce Young, national championship. Coming up on Monday night, a lot of folks excited about uh, what we could see there. And, uh, BJ, I know you being the stat guy on the show, really uh, excited about what we get. No, ben, is he not? Like, BJ is Mr. No, stat. No, you know, you don't. No, no, no. It's, it's like an inside thing. Like, you know, I, I mean, I, I spill, I spoil, I spoil. Is it spilled the, be- spilled the beans? I don't know if you can spoil the beans. Ben, but, uh, ben, ben came on earlier in the show. And, and and went ahead and ruined the stat. No, 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 BJ, no, no. We got, no, no. You told, listen, it's a different set of listeners, you know, from first out. So I, I so you got those early listeners. We appreciate y'all, by the way. But BJ, go ahead, go ahead, because, you know, because number one, Kevin is not, a, Kevin is also like a undercover statistician now. Am I? he proved during the show. And Kevin is, I think Kevin is coming around with double fudge, triple fudge, and I know he's liking bowl games. Yeah, you're going you're going to walk into Kevin's office and you're going to see a notebook with like passer rating and completion percentage stats for the left downfield quadrant. But no, I I think this is a really interesting frame of reference stat just to show you that, you know, Stetson's done a really really good job. And of course, of course Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the country. He's won the Heisman and and has earned every single thing he's getting. Yes, we all know that, but it's a frame of reference thing and it kind of helps provide some perspective statistically for just how efficient Stetson Bennett has been. Passer rating, for folks who don't know, is 
a stat that takes everything into account. Touchdown to interception ratio, obviously completions, attempts, uh, yards per attempt, all that good stuff. Right now, uh, Bryce Young is fifth in the nation in passer rating, 173.69. That is historically good. Uh, Really up until five or six years ago, you didn't even see numbers like that. Uh, He's fifth nationally. Stetson Bennett's fourth. Stetson Bennett's passer rating is 178.05. That's not, you're not drawing any conclusions from that other than to say Stetson Bennett has a higher passer rating than Bryce Young. And I think, you know, Dane was talking about, hey, if you're calling Stetson Bennett a game manager, that's, that's not accurate or fair. Stetson Bennett's done a really good job pushing the ball downfield. Stetson Bennett's done a really good job, for the most part, protecting the ball. Stetson Bennett's been really efficient. He's been really proficient. And even the game against Alabama, right, where you point to the two second-half interceptions and you go, hey, that costs you. Sure. But Stetson Bennett overlooked what a lot of people overlook in that game is he had the most passing yards in that game of any quarterback against Alabama this season, any quarterback that Alabama played. So Stetson's done a really good job. Uh, he's not just a great story. He's a great player. And, of course, these stats, you, you know, you take them for what they are, and, they're, and they help provide – a little frame of reference and maybe make you think a little bit, but Bryce Young is the best quarterback in the country. He's been spectacular. If he puts up more numbers like he did a month ago against Georgia, we might be talking about one of the best seasons we've ever seen, but give Stetson Bennett his due. He's earned it. Uh, Right now you have a quarterback that has his team in the national championship game and he's top five in the country in passer rating. I mean, say it out loud. I mean, that's, that's, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett let, let, let's say what it really is. Bryce Young did not grow up in Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Bryce Young did not grow up thinking, I'm a, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to play for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm going to lead them. I'm going to be the first Highland Trophy. No, Alabama was that brand. One to be the biggest brand right now in college football. Stetson Bennett grew up a Georgia Bulldog fan. Stetson Bennett had dreams of being the starting quarterback for Georgia. And we say what everybody said, man, and I'm going to lead us back to the national championship. Everybody says that. If you're a shooter, everybody does a three, two, one. Everybody does that. But BJ, Kevin, you guys tell me this. When you talk about high school, Stetson is one of the best to ever do it in the state of Georgia. But all of a sudden, Stetson ran into a problem that most people cannot beat, and that's perception. It's Stetson is Stetson is a good story, but BJ, you make a point. No, he's a good, he's a great football player too. It's like why we can't just say Stetson Bennett is a great football player for the Georgia Bulldogs. Not compare him to Bryce. Not say he's yeah, not. And, and, and again, to be clear, you know he he's not Bryce Young, obviously. No, 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 no. That's the, I'm, I'm not saying that. But about it, when you uh-huh. see stats like this, it helps you understand. Hey, this guy's been really good. He's been really good. No, 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 no. This is a stat that matters, though, right? BJ, the reason why I don't get caught up in the box scores like you because it can tell you a little bit what happens in the game, but the thing is that win-loss column. Stetson Bennett went undefeated in the regular season. Everybody you put in front of him not named Alabama, they beat him, right? Everybody. Clemson, Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, you name them, Michigan, you name them, they beat him. If this was JT Daniels, they wouldn't have nothing to say. Man, they getting it done. But because it's Stetson. But this is the thing. One guy, this is his dream to do it. That's why he's so good at doing it. The other guy got beat out at the school he was at, and he got off a plane to a sign that said, Welcome to Atlanta in freaking Athens. That's how you know. <laughs> so for me, I'm just, I'm just saying, it is that's been at BJ. It's almost like this. You tell me stories are already written. You say, man, they're already written, man. They're already there. Stetson Bennett's story is already written no matter what. 
happens is already written because Stetson Bennett to me is a is a truer barometer of college football. The underdog story, you know. I mean, people thought he was this, people thought he was that. The last two years of Kirby Smart's career, and the book, and where would Georgia be if they did not have Stetson? I'm not saying they're not as good as they are, but all we can say with what they did with Stetson. Can't say what they would have done without him because you still got J.J. Dane, still got Carson Beck. It was Stetson this year and last year. So shout out to that young man. We've got more to come here. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here. Three and out on this Thursday as we count it down to the national championship game. Appreciate Rennie Curran and Dane Young joining us here. In the final hour of the program, and tomorrow's Friday, we're getting right down to it. Just a couple of days then until the national championship. Got the FCS title game on Saturday, too. So, some big-time college football champions will be crowned next couple of days. I mean, <laughs> people care a little bit more about the game on Monday. Yeah, I would say I would so. Say. I mean, why, why we got to pre-qualify everything? I mean, if it's an FCS championship, BJ, you don't got to pre-qualify. I'm telling you. BJ, you ain't talking to the same Kevin. I'm telling you, Kevin ain't like you like he used to be. I'm telling you, Kevin the change. And I don't know what happened. 2022, it's a new leaf. You missed any portion of the show, ESPNCoastal.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, at ESPNCoastal on YouTube. You can get an archived version of the show there each and every day. And we will see you tomorrow right here on 3 and Out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.